0: Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 7th of July. God, but you never think this day would come around, would you? Especially as we're looking forward to the weekend and the burning temperatures of 77 degrees. Or is that the fires being lit under Tony Blair? A monster of delusion, the papers say. Blair is the world's worst terrorist. The secret letter to Bush. It's taken seven years for this Chilcot reply. And still, Tony Blair says, i do it again. The arrogance one paper dares to suggest maybe he's delusional, maybe there's something the matter with him, perhaps he's ill, perhaps he's sick, perhaps he just doesn't see it. There were no weapons of mass destruction, really ridiculous we'll We'll run through it later i don't want to bore the pants off you with it because I know many of you will be going we've heard this so many times now, and he's obviously not going to uh, to apologize in any way, shape or form. He's going to be as arrogant as he was first time round. funny thing is, we knew this seven years ago. We knew there weren't any weapons of mass destruction. We knew that he was in the handbag of Bush over in America. We knew that they were all... We've seen the letters now. Now we've had it confirmed. It's taken seven years. Seven years to get this out. And so not looking as smiley-smiley as he was the other day. But there you go. Uh, Heartbreak. Wales lost out... In the Euro semi-final, sorry about that. You know, we did our best. We kind of, you know, tried to sort of push people through. But at least, um, Prince William said, at least we got. At least they actually got further than England did. Gives you a rough idea what side, side here he's on. Channel 4 of Axe TFI Friday. Now, I don't know if that's as a result of the Chris Evans debacle, which is going on at the moment, or I don't know if it's just the fact that they weren't going to recommission it anywhere, and it's just that it's come out at this particular time. So that we'll look at later. The Spice Girls, only three of them have booked a date at uh, Hyde Park. I don't really think they, they can do the show with three of them. I don't seriously think it's, uh, it's, it's possible. I really don't think. I thought the Spice... Go, they have to be five. That's, you know, you can't just reproduce what they, what they do out there. I don't think so anyway. I could be wrong. Uh, Cliff goes back to Wimbledon. Uh, I should today be able to upload the pictures to my, uh, to my at Steve Allen show i'll I'll try and do that later the student who's died after 30 vodkas i mean he can't help feeling sorry for the family because they will be feeling absolutely gutted today but at the same time 30 vodkas 30 vodkas i mean for god's sake what do we have to do to tell people nowadays i know that people go on and have these jaeger bombs and they i'm not stupid enough to think that people don't go out and get so blathered that they just collapse and there was one guy, I think, in one of these Magaluf-type programmes where he sort of went out and he got blathered, had to go to hospital because he was practically comatose, uh, sobered himself up and went back out and carried on drinking again. And for these people, there is no hope. There is no hope at all. You can't do anything about it. You just have to put it down to the fact that they're stupid. You know, if you're, if you're daft enough, and I hate to say it really because it grieves me, if you're daft enough to down 30 vodkas. 30 That must be a bottle, isn't it? Thirty vodka, 30 vodkas? I would think a bottle... I mean, you're asking for trouble, aren't you? Absolutely. Uh, Emma's film flop. Actually, it's funny, that, because I was secretly hoping this film was going to do well, but only uh, on opening weekend took £47. I mean, to be honest with really, you, hardly worth putting the electricity on or turning the projectors on, is it, for 47 quid. Dame Helen Mirren says airbrushing is fine. Well, you'd know, dear, wouldn't you? And uh, Move Over Rover, or whatever you want to call your dog nowadays. Man's best friend is now a goat, apparently. A goat. Well, I don't know anybody who's got goats. We used to have one in our next-door... Garden some years ago when I was a child, and it would goats are just irritating, aren't they? Really, but apparently, uh, no, you wouldn't have a goat in Twickenham. I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't know actually. They're apparently very good for keeping the grass down, but they're also very good for sort of eating apples and all sorts of things like that. But and also apparently the meat's quite nice. I personally couldn't eat goat. I know a lot of people do. In fact, it's quite, quite big in the West Indian community, isn't it? Curried goat. Whether or not it is actually goat, I don't know. Or is that one of those things like, but it is really goat. Oof. I couldn't eat it. I don't know. I just look at them as pets. Oh, dear Lord, above, a tablecloth has arrived on legs. Unbelievable. What is he wearing today? Where would you get shirts like that from? Where does that come from? Is that some charity shop do? I've never seen anything like it. What is it? I mean, the colours, blue and yellow, it's, yes, you can sing a rainbow, blue and yellow and blue and yellow, yellow and, but I'm a presenter, I'm allowed to wear outrageous clothing, you're just a humble Australian, you're not supposed to wear stuff like that and it's just standing on a bloody beach in a pair of plimsolls or your little flip-flops with your budgie things on, <laughs> never seen anything like it, did you buy it new? It's lovely. It really is, honestly. You must give me the name of the shop. I bet they're not still in business. <laughs> they can't be. You'll never make a living flogging those. John Lewis, is it? My God, you little trendsetter, you. Look at that, you buy your clothes in, John Lewis. Oh, love you, honestly. There's no entity. Do you have a John Lewis in, uh, in... Oh, sorry, busy on the phone. Samaritan callback again, is it? Just checking you're still wearing NAF shirts. You know what they're like. I love the way he's turned up. You can always tell people who are very fastidious, they turn their sleeves up. I've got a friend of mine who criticises me for wearing short sleeve shirts. He says, "You're not an airline pilot. Don't wear short sleeve shirts." And so I go, "Yeah, but." And then, so what he does, he buys long sleeve shirts like you, and then rolls the sleeves up. What's the difference? What's yeah, but but you've done it so meticulously, haven't you? Meticulously, look at it. Look, it's absolutely perfect. You spent a long time. You're a little bit vain. A little bit vain. I mean, you know, turning the sleeve. Most people just sort of scrunch them up. But you know, why don't you just buy a short sleeve shirt? What's the point of buying long sleeve? What is the point? Don't shout. Don't shout. Try and be calm. Think calming thought. Think think happy thoughts. Think Christmas. Think barbecues on the beach. Think sort of nice things. It's still a naff shirt. <laughs> Whichever way you look at it, I'd, I'd, I'd probably buy it as well. Actually, uh, apparently in Phoenix, over in Arizona, goat is everywhere. According to my friend Ian, he said it's very big in Indian food. Is it really? Well, I mean, we've got loads of Indian restaurants around uh, my way and I don't think I've ever seen goat in any of them at all, tethered outside or otherwise. I don't don't like the idea of eating goat. I don't know why, actually. I really don't know why. But uh, people obviously like it. Apparently, he said it's almost as prevalent as chicken. Is it? Well, I know over here they're actually trying to uh get that Ian. So I think there are farms where they do goat and then they said, I just can't eat it's goat, isn't it? They're only little. I don't like to think about things like that. In fact I don't like to think about any animal being killed, but I do eat beef and I do eat um I don't eat pork. Isn't that funny? I seem to have stopped eating pork. I haven't had pork for years. I looked at some steaks the other day and I thought they look quite nice. And then I thought you don't want to eat pork, do you? And I went, not really, no. So I can't eat lamb I don't eat pork, I just do beef, or I can do salmon, and um, and I wanted to do some spare ribs the other day, but I've got to check what sort of spare ribs they are, but I do do um, hot dogs. I love hot dog sausages, and I bought some the other day, and Paul Cooper had some as well, and they're sausages with Emmental cheese in them, and then wrapped in bacon. Quite delicious, quite delicious, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm a fool to myself, it's so fattening, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's death in a sandwich, or just death in a packet, You know, I only have to look at it and I think, whoo, there's some calories in there. But I love sausages that have got... And we were trying to work out how they put the cheese in the sausage. And John a friend of mine, thought that maybe they put the cheese out first and then rolled the sausage around it. And I thought, I don't think so. I said, I would imagine it would be injected into it. There'd be a machine that would sort of you know, pfft, squirt it. Because otherwise, how are you going to manage it? Because they do these in Austria and Germany, they do these uh, these Kesevurge, which are absolutely delicious. And I don't think they roll the sausage. I've never heard of rolling a sausage around it. Because it comes through a machine. You wouldn't roll the sausage out. So they must have it so it's impregnated and then just sort of gets in there that way. It's delicious, though. Absolutely. You've just got to watch it because you can burn the roof of your mouth off because it's so hot. The actual sausage uh, gets very hot, and the cheese inside is like... Pfft. And then that reminds me. Uh, if, if, we, if we ever thought that ISIS were murdering so-and-sos, paedophiles, rapists, muggers, uh, child abusers, uh, they, they hit the ultimate jackpot the other day. They discovered six ISIS soldiers who deserted, and they decided to teach them a lesson. So they bound their hands, and they bound their feet... And they boiled them alive. They poured them. Apparently, it's an old favourite method of theirs. So, just a warning for anybody thinking of joining ISIS. There is the danger that if you decide to wander off from McDonald's that doesn't exist, there's a very good chance when they get you back again, they're going to boil you alive. Apparently, they just threw them into the boiling water. Charming people, aren't they? Really, of course, straight to hell every single one of them, which is fantastic news. So that's that's the only good news. We've taken six people out of the equation, but you sort of you worry about the mentality of these people, and then you suddenly realise that they actually are mental. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, record jail for the lesbians who killed that child, age two. I mean, wicked, wicked, wicked people. I don't think you can even do justice to the sort of words we can use on this program as to how vile I believe they are and how vile. Everybody else believes they are, and I hope they get their, their comeuppance. A little two-year-old child. A little two-year-old child. I also spared a thought for the farmers in China. Uh, they've had record floods. Apparently, the Yangtze River has burst its banks. It's huge. It's called the Yellow River. And uh, the farmers there, they've got hundreds and hundreds of pigs. And one bloke was seen standing in the sheds the other day saying goodbye to them. And I thought, well, and the, the pigs are trying to hold their heads above the water. And then luckily... It kind of touched people's hearts, and so they've begun this massive rescue operation to get the pigs out as quick as possible. There's a lot of people in China just stand there pointing into the distance. Perhaps advertising, you know, the fact that water has risen beyond its highest levels. We've had it here. I often look at property, and being Piscean, I'm strangely drawn to water. And I remember thinking some years ago, I'd quite like to have a property by a river or by a lake. And then after I saw all that flooding in this country, I kind of went off the idea... I do live quite near the river, but I'm quite high, you see, so the, unless the river rises about 100 feet, there's no chance of it getting anywhere near me. Everybody else, of course, in the vicinity would just disappear under the under the foaming waves, but nothing where I am, unless it hit the patio, in which case we're all in trouble. We did have a block drain once, a block drain, and the water sort of rose on the corridor. I was slightly disturbed by it. So I've now got a pump uh, to sort of get the water out, but unfortunately it only really works for a sink. It's not really sort of geared for industrial... Uh, pumping out, as it were. But uh, I just quite like the idea of living near water, and I've seen some beautiful riverside properties, and I thought, that'd be... And then I thought, hmm, it's only got to rise a foot, and it's going to be coming in your back door. So maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, Ryland. Hilarious story in the paper today. Ryland. You remember Ryland, the one who's written his autobiography? Well, it's not so much an autobiography, it's more a pamphlet. And it's got on the front, I was born, and then, you know, my career finished. Uh, he thinks that his white teeth helped mask him being a terrible TV presenter. Well, honestly, I nearly died laughing. No, 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 no. The reason that you are who you are is because you are such a terrible presenter. It's got nothing to do with your teeth, surprisingly. It's got to do with the lack of brain capacity and, uh, and the fact you're just irritating. Uh, the Beckhams failed to dress up, so um, obviously Dave, who's not been in the papers for about five minutes, decided to go there again and sort of dress. At one point, he had his flat cap on. I mean, he's, he, he looks like he's wandered out of an ancient Hovis advert. He, really, he didn't have a tie on, so he wouldn't have been in the royal box. And he took the two boys with him as well. That's not Brooklyn. Brooklyn's currently working out, you know, how not to put his foot on the accelerator so he doesn't get a fine because he's got the most expensive insurance on a very, very expensive Mercedes, which I reckon was comped. Can't see them shelling out. They're tight as anything. They really are. They don't, they don't spend money on clothes. You've only got to look at Davy Boy Beckham. I mean, he looks like he's wearing last year's fashion and ten years prior to that one. Nobody seems to have anything decent to wear. I mean, look at the state of poor Brooklyn. I mean, the poor boy. He must be dressed by charity shops. You'd never believe that his mother was a fashion designer or something like that. So so when they, they sort of dressed up the other day, they were wearing sort of like jeans and, and T-shirts. And Dave then puts on a flat cap. Really embarrassing. Uh, also... um. The other story, which was uh, which was the papers today, it's the kids who are taken out of school and the parents who get fined for it. 5.6 million. 5.6 million pounds. That's how much they've raked in for parents taking kids out of school. And what sort of person would nick somebody's front path? I think we've all got a rough idea on that one, haven't we? I'll give you a clue. They've got a white van, okay, and probably some flatbed trucks. And there was one scene down there and so this, uh, this, this poor woman goes off to her mother's funeral, which they announced in the paper, as people do. And when she came back, somebody had taken the path. Her, it was only worth about £250, but the sort of people who thieve that, thieve a lot of the time. You know, I mean, you know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't even cross my mind to go out and start taking somebody's path. But these, these people, thieving is, is a way of life. They just thieve. And so they obviously park the truck up and they go and start lifting the stones up and they take her, her entire front path. I think ghastly. You really want to go out, pick up somebody else's path, and just drop it on them from a great height. But that's me being caring because it's a Thursday, and I love Thursday. Nothing wipes the smile off my face. I was going to have an interview today, but uh, luckily, uh, it was it was cancelled at the last minute, so I can go and lie in the sun. Not. I hate it. Quarter past. Well, ish. Four.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Your first chance since the EU referendum to put your questions to Nigel Farage. This Sunday morning from 10, only on LBC. I bet you can't wait for that. I bet you can't wait for that. Well, that's on Sunday
1: at 10 o'clock. I'll have to park the car well away from here, I think. Uh, Why were the Chinese on the A4260 taking photographs? It's a very odd... It's a, they, they've got loads of pictures of loads of Chinese people in this street taking pictures of the houses and people's front paths and the gardens and everything else. It's very suburban, and it's, it's, really, it's really such a bizarre story, very bizarre story. Uh, so we'll talk about that later on. Also, Lionel Messi, the tax evader. But, of course, you know, 3.5 million, they, they sort of go, well, it's OK, we don't have, really have to go to prison. It's only, it's only pretend, so he's not gone to prison. And um, four in five of us work longer than we're paid for. In other words, we do over and above what we're supposed to do, and we get the money. And in this business, it's called show and go. It's presenters who show up, do the programme, and then disappear off immediately afterwards. Whereas, you know, anybody... I mean, the trouble is, it is... It's, it's, I'm in a bit of a dilemma with this one. Very much a dilemma. Because people say, you know, what time do you finish? And I said, well, I finish at half past Six but I don't go home because I've got to record a podcast, which we do straight away. Today we have to record the links for In Conversation for over this weekend, which actually has got a magical theme. A magical theme. So if you like magic, you're going to like the theme of In Conversation because both the guests are involved in magic, so we've got lots to talk about. Uh, And then one of them has a bit of an argy-bargy with me about who takes the most tablets in the morning, which is always very popular. So we quite like that. So a magical theme for In Conversation for this weekend on LBC, which is Saturday morning between 6 and 7, repeated on Sunday night between 9 and 10. Okay, Uh, So the papers. So we've waited seven years, and I'm not going to bore the pants off you with it because it's not really what I do, but because it's it's featured on every single paper, a monster of delusion, say the Mail... Uh, for two hours, Blair dissembled and denied in the face of Chilcot's devastating verdict. Then, with a sickening egomania, he declared, I can't say sorry for Iraq. I'd do it again. And, uh, and that's basically the theme. Uh, General Sir Michael Rose says the family should see Blair in court... Uh, Blair is the world's worst terrorist. Overcome with emotion, the families of the fallen soldiers lash out at the ex-premier. Jeremy Corbyn has apologised for the Iraq war on behalf of the Labour Party, sparking claims he's trying to exploit the controversy to shore up his own uh, faltering leadership. And uh, they say here, MI6 fell under the spell of number 10. MI5 warned Blair of the UK terrorists. Straw told the officials to play up. Um, And then it was basically Bush and Letters and uh, Blair is unrepentant. Stop saying I was a liar. But you were a liar. You were a liar. That was the trouble. It was a case of you lied. There were no weapons of mass destruction. You know, Saddam Hussein was not a threat to this country. He was not a threat. And so the the, the brazen way that Blair tried to spin it out the other day, it's almost an arrogance of a child, isn't it, that you've caught stealing. It is the arrogance where you say to that child, you took that, and the child goes, no, I didn't. You go, yes, you did. And the kid goes, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. I didn't. And they'll stand there and brazen it out. And that's what he's doing, but he's an old man. He's an old man. The claim was there was no rush to war. In a note written on the 28th of July, 2002, like we all remember that, Blair told Bush, I'll be with you whatever. Chilcott brutally concluded that the UK chose to join the invasion of Iraq before the peaceful options for disarmament had been exhausted. Military action at that time was not a last resort. And so it goes on. And so it goes on. A catalogue of disasters for Tony Blair. You know, if the papers are openly calling him, you know, a master of deception, he savaged for the Iraq war. And the squaddy deaths, you know, and that, that uh, secret letter. It's in all the papers. It runs and runs and runs. There's pages and pages and blimmin' pages of it. And, uh, and here he goes. He's done the wiping of the tears. He's done the chin stroke. But basically, it's the arrogance. Negligent, fatally naive... That's the only way that you can describe this. He's sorry, but he's defiant. The world's a safer place, I'd do it again. Well, luckily, you won't ever get the chance. Thank God, you'll never get the chance. And if you look at the uh, the notes... and They obviously save all these things, don't they? Everything is, is all, all saved, I'll be with you forever. In secrecy, he signed up for war. They had the wrong kit. There was a helicopter shortage, a lack of spy gear. The boots weren't fit for purpose. They started melting. The lions of Basra let down by the MP donkeys. And the families who now say, I want to see Blair on trial, whether or not they can find somebody who will actually put him on trial. I mean, I don't think so. Of course, he's absolutely made a fortune, hasn't he? He's made a fortune since he uh, since he stepped down. He's, you know, he, he goes around the world. I think he's worth about between 80 and 100 million. Well, how lucky, how lucky, tainted money, tainted money. He goes around the world and he just he just sort of basically blunders his way through it. It's a shame, really, because I always thought he had sort of those those sort of qualities. But that was that was the end of it. He and his family have a property empire worth twenty seven million. That's just on the property. But the, the, but the Telegraph estimated, I think, about two years ago, he's worth about sixty million pounds. Where's that come from? Is that just speaking around the world? Lovely, isn't it? While parents have to go out there and tend to the graves of their loved ones for a war that never should have happened. Really ridiculous. Really ridiculous. But it's in all the papers today, and uh, the Mirror. Blair vowed to Bush eight months before the LR Iraq war, the legal case far from satisfactory, and the family's now calling for him to be prosecuted. With his amazing arrogance, he will just he will just dispense with this. You know, he'll now be thinking, oh, OK, we, we've had the Chilcot Report, that's it, end of it. Goodbye, thank you very much indeed. Let's move on and do something else. And uh, the papers, I don't think are going to let it go. You know, the, the Chilcot Report says we must learn the lesson, and you look at the pictures of the British troops killed in the Iraq war, 179 of them. 179, and um, it's interesting, blunder after blunder after blunder after blunder. He must accept his damnation. He's a failure, he, uh, he's got blood on his hands, and that's why they've called him a monster of delusion. It's amazing how somebody in one of the papers, it might be Andrew Pierce, says, uh, uh, um, you know, really, that perhaps he's, perhaps he's delusional. Perhaps there's something the matter with him. Perhaps he doesn't understand, you know, whether or not Corbyn is trying to do damage limitation for himself... I don't know. I don't know. It's certainly something that stinks quite badly. Stinks quite badly. The Cabinet bypassed on the 11 key Iraq decisions. Really, really bad. Everybody's guilty. The ruling class betrayed us. The Cabinet, MI6, the generals, the law officers, the civil servants, all were complicit in a megalomaniac's march to war, says Max Hastings in the paper for today. Mind you, other stories, because there are other stories in the paper, there are a few of them, not a lot... Not a lot. the The BBC chief and the cronyism row. You know, the more you read about the BBC, the more you think there's something rotten, isn't there, in the core of it? It's not so great. They don't know what's going on. You know, was was um, was was Chris Evans pushed, or did he actually resign? Did they? Did he sort of go, listen, I'll just quit, make it easier? And they went, it's well, either that we're going to get rid of you because we're a bit worried about these allegations, which are now in the papers today. Uh, some woman saying. And uh, at the risk of offending just about everybody this morning, she said he would come in every day and he would either get his willy out and show her, or failing that, he would walk in stark naked in a state of arousal. And this went on for ages and ages. And, of course, if he didn't get in his way, he shouted and screamed and did everything else. Now, we know that he's, he's got a bit of a reputation for being a hothead But whether or not dropping your trousers every day or walking in stark naked is the way forward, I don't know. I didn't work for him. This was during the Big Brother day. This was during Big Brother. So we're going back quite a few years. And uh, one particular producer, male, stood there and was trying to explain to him about zig and zag and how the the next bit was going to work out. When he just dropped his trousers and stood there. And the producer just... (sighs) you know and then he started he said listen we've got to do this segment coming up now and apparently he started a bit of a row on that one i mean perhaps perhaps there's something the matter with him perhaps he's got a screw loose perhaps he's so perhaps he's so brilliantly a genius that there's something the matter with him i don't i don't really understand it but when this this woman said that you know he would walk in start naked he was going for the shock value now that's that's a perversion that's got i don't think it's got anything to do with bullying i think that just is a pervert you know if you go for shock value people who and, and if he didn't get the desired reaction, apparently, they said, he would lose his temper. So what, what people do who do that, people who flash, uh, people have this insatiable urge to, to flash to women because they rely on the shock value of, uh take it away, it's not big and it's not clever. You know, that, that's what, uh, what, that's what they, they generally say. But they're looking for the shock value. It's, it, that's, that's what they get off on. So when Chris Evans apparently didn't get it, he became quite nasty. So there you go. But where it's ending, I don't know. That's what the papers said yesterday. They were all saying, oh, you know, he's uh, he's sort of, is this the end of the line? Is he going to be dropped? What are they going to find out when they they conclude the police investigation? There's only one woman who's, who's come forward. Whether or not anybody else comes forward, I don't know. Somebody accused me yesterday of changing my stance on Chris Evans. I've never changed my stance on Chris Evans at all. I've always admired him as a broadcaster. Always. Always. Never changed my stance on that at all in 40 years. Never made any difference at all to me. He listens to this programme as he's going in to do his programme. That we know because, you can ask my previous producer, he phoned up all the time. You know, when are we going out for lunch? When are we doing this? When are we doing that? And uh, we never got round to doing it, actually. I don't think I'd want to sit there if he starts getting his bits out. I'm not too sure about that. (laughs) That might kind of ruin dinner for me, or lunch. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC.co.uk. Shane says, will you tell us what you want, what you really, really want? I'd quite like... I quite like, actually, the Spice Girls to all reform, but it's never going to happen. Victoria... Victoria, not a cat in hell's chance. Listen, she never really contributed to the Spice Girls. I mean, if if you want proof, if you want proof, watch their first hits. Oh, I'll tell you what you want, what you re- You have to wait about so many... It's like, it seems like forever all the way through the video before we, Victoria utters a word. Up until then, she's sort of throwing some moves in the background, but they weren't very good. And, um... And she also admits that her microphone got turned off because she can't sing. You know, it's very nice to put a group together, and it was supposedly girl power. Well, it wasn't really. It was put together by a man, and so there was no girl power at all. It was called Controlled You'll Do What I Tell You to Do, and these are the songs you're doing, okay? What they managed to get for themselves at the Spice Girls was themselves on the writing credits. That's what they got, which was oh, look, here he is, poor old Brooklyn Beckham. What's he doing? Uh, he was at the, uh, uh, oh, every going, love you, Brooklyn Beckham, and all that kind of thing. He just looks a bit flabby, doesn't he, poor soul? We saw him on the beach, I tell you. Hardly a gym-toned body, dear. And what does he do for a living? Oh, he's doing an advert, isn't he? That's right, he's doing an advert for a phone company in Japan. Best place for him. 4.30.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Shane says to me, and good morning, incidentally, if you've just joined us, welcome to the Spike Welcome to the big spike. I don't understand, says Shane, why anybody would nick a path. Shall I tell you why they would? They'll thieve it to sell it to somebody else. That's what they'll do. They want the stones. They want the stones. They'll see the stones and they'll go, we'll have that. And so they do. They nick it and then they'll go round to somebody and go, listen, we can lay you a path for a couple of hundred quid. That's what they'll do. That's why. It's certainly not going to be. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd like to paint on all of the stones, you know, in ultraviolet stuff, you know, secret squirrel and that kind of thing, you know, owned by Steve Allen. And you go around there and go, you've thieved that. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. Here we go. Going down that silly path again. Oh, sorry. No, the path's gone. We can't do it. Uh, Apparently I make sausage meat, Steve, uh, from lean pork mince. It's possible to roll them thin and around cheese strips. Once seared, they'll seal and cook as skinless sausages. Isn't that isn't a skinless sausage, a beef burger? Isn't it? Isn't that the sort of thing? I don't... Uh, I do like it, actually. But apparently serve it uh, on top of onion-mashed spud. Oh, right. Well, there you go. You live and learn, don't you? Onion-mashed spud. That sounds quite nice. Uh, Steve, uh, Blair said at one point we must all learn the lessons like it was everybody's fault. I know. I, I, I just... You know, to be honest with you, if I was one of the parents of one of the, of one of the people who lost their lives there, I'd be going, I'm sorry, that's how you've just dismissed... My my son is it? You've just gone oh well lessons have been learned really that's how that's how little you think of them, really dreadful. I mean it really is absolutely dreadful. I mean and also Theresa says where does Blair get the idea the world is a safer place? Absolutely, but actually I don't remember the rise of ISIS back uh, all those years ago. I don't remember all the 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 mass bombings and the suicide bombers. You know the people who strap ex- explosives to them and then go and blow themselves up, going straight to hell but in pieces. You know, hardly clever now, and you sort of go, you know, and then we had all the atrocities around the world. And Blair thinks the world is a safer place. What, by hanging Saddam Hussein? Don't be so ridiculous, honestly. Sometimes people can't see beyond the end of their nose, can they? Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Sandra says, I was interested to see day and night in Wednesday's Daily Express. Was sufficiently impressed by Barry Humphrey's comments, particularly about giving good value in your interview, to give them good coverage in the paper. Yes, I think it was my interview that was lifted. I think so. Uh, Dom and Dom says, Do these people who stole a path live. At-? Well, they could. I wouldn't like to state exactly what sort of people, Dom, that they were, but uh, I think you will find. I think you will find that that would be exactly the sort of. P- I mean, how else would you go around in a white van or a flatbed pickup truck and just thieving people's paths? Statues get nicked as well. What sort of scum are they? What sort of scum are these people? It's like those two lesbians. I'm not interested in the fact that they were lesbians. I'm more interested in the fact that they they took a child's life at two years old. And I am heartily sick to my stomach to read about social service's failure to protect little children who have been beaten black and blue. And these two lesbians, this poor child, two years old, two years old, absolutely, you know, punched and pummeled to death. And you think to yourself, I hope you suffer badly. I really hope you suffer badly. No child should ever have to end his... Where do they go at two years old? They don't know. They don't know. These people are disgusting. They really are. I mean, it's, you know, why we don't bring the death penalty back to people like that. I've got no idea. But, of course, it never works, does it? Uh, What do you think about Oscar Pistorius' sentence? Uh, Well, as you can well imagine, I thought, for, for taking somebody's life six years. Well, life is so cheap nowadays, isn't it? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They really don't. Six years. Six years for somebody's life. And, you know, we've had to suffer with this dreary court system that they have in South Africa, where, you know, they go, oh, he'll go to prison for a year. Oh, no, we're now going to retry him, and now it's murder. And it's only six years. Why is it only six years? Is that, is that how cheap life is in other countries? Is that how it is? Is that the way it goes, that if, if you lose your loved one, your mother, your father, think about it yourself. And somebody's sitting there. And they're going, oh, just six years. You know, I don't know if they get time off for good behaviour. Whatever it is, it's wrong, isn't it? But then that's just us. That's just gut reaction. That is just trying to make sure that, you know, you do get justice. These families who want justice and they they want to make sure, you know, that they get some sort of justice for losing a child. I mean, it's just wrong. Different if a child dies of natural causes, but not if it's as a direct result of somebody else's action. And that's what I absolutely, I just can't get my head around. I, tr- I always try and think, if ever I read of a story of a child who's lost their life and they've been beaten to death or something, so, you know, some tragic, some tragedy that's there, and, uh, and the social services didn't see anything. Social services, blind as a bat, blind as a bat. I sometimes wonder what they do, actually, social services. And I, I sort of sit there and I read it and I think, how tragic for that little child who, death must have come as a, a relief to them a relief to end the beatings and the sufferings, and I, as i say i just think, I just think dreadful things about the people who perpetrate those sort of crimes. I really do I, you just want to make them suffer, but i don 't think anything makes them suffer i think they 're they're, they're, they're too stupid they 're too sick in the head they're just they 're just disgusting people, just disgusting people and i don 't know what the sentence could be i can 't think of anything, even the death penalty you know wouldn 't i mean you just, you just can 't think of anything that would make them realize that you know unless they're mentally ill or they've got some some they don't they don't appear to have any mental illness or anything like that they just tend to be wicked evil nasty people and that's the that's what I'm allowed to get away with I'm not allowed to say anything else about them much as I really want to say let's bring back hanging drawing and quartering let's make these people suffer like that little child suffered but that doesn't doesn't solve the problem does it bloody well would for me would for me I'm afraid I mean I'm 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 and flogging brigade you know, and Oscar Pistorius, six years in jail for murder. Just six years, and that's, that's it, finished. You know, just... Oh, dear, it's dreadful. Dreadful, dreadful. There is a picture of the uh, the woman whose uh, path was stolen. They've got, a, they've got an end-of-terrace cottage in Prestwick. Apparently £240,000, which seems an awful lot of money. But uh, she went to her mother's funeral who'd had a battle with Alzheimer's. But when she came back, they were horrified to find five gaps in the path to their front door where slabs of York stone had been. That's what people want. They want York stone, you see, because it's quite expensive. And the people who thieve it, I mean, the neighbours must have seen. A white van marked patio and paving was parked nearby, but she doesn't know whether it was involved in stealing the stones. Seems a bit uh, a bit close to comfort, doesn't it? Patio and paving, my path's gone. You know, I'd love to get pictures. There was a thing the other day. Did you see the picture? It's a very odd picture. And it might have been on the LBC website. And it was of somebody who threw rotten pork in the door of a mosque. And yet, if you look at the picture of the man who the police want to interview, he looks like he'd be inside the mosque, as opposed to outside the mosque. It seemed very odd, actually. I couldn't understand why anybody would want to do that. We've, we've, we've quite clearly gone down some road at the moment, which is uh, which is just... I don't know, you despair sometimes, don't you? You really do. Anyway, I I think what we need to do is lighten this programme up and we need to make happy thoughts. So we'll all join hands. We'll have a cup of tea and uh, a cup of coffee in my case. And we'll go, it's Thursday and it is quite nice. It is the 7th of July. It is. it's, It's too easy to dismiss all those people who died as a result of the fact we shouldn't have gone to war. But Tony Blair made us go to war. Either he was doing it to sort of emulate Margaret Thatcher's Falklands. She got the Falklands. He got Iraq. And we just made it all up. Uh, weapons of mass destruction here. Sorry? Weapon- We've got Saddam Hussein. OK, we're going to hang him. What for? What for? People were doing perfectly well with him there. Admittedly, he was another one of these crackpot despots. But uh, no reason to hang him at all. But it kind of justified it, didn't it? Let's take him out of the equation. Uh, did you find the weapons of mass destruction? No. Why? Um uh, we got the wrong information. No, there weren't any. There weren't any. Like some dreadful child. Blair bluffing. Blair bluffing. Uh, 84850 oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall uh, we shall try and liven up your morning today. There must be something that's happy in the papers. I was trying to think out of all the stories here, which which one sort of got me thinking that's the that's the story of the day, but of course it isn't. It's gonna be Blair, isn't it? Um, I was I was hoping that sort of Jack Whitehall's birthday would be would be quite a nice idea. He was telling a toilet story on the Graham Norton programme some time ago. And it was that classic thing where he's over in Spain and he's in a restaurant and he goes to the toilet, as my mother would call it, proper toilet, as opposed to just just little toilets, little proper toilet. And your worst nightmare is when you go to flush the the toilet, it doesn't work. And he tried it six times and it it didn't flush. So he thought he'd better man up and tell the waiter that, in fact the toilet hadn't flushed, so he didn't want to just walk out and leave it, so he goes out to the waiter, but because he didn't speak any Spanish and the waiter didn't speak any English, he has to sort of, come, 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 me, follow, follow me, and so he follows, the, the waiter follows him into the toilet, and Jack proudly stands by the toilet and points down into the toilet bowl, and the waiter leans over, flushes the toilet, and it vanishes before his eyes is <laughs> Must have thought I was completely and utterly barking mad. So funny, so funny. Goes to prove you can tell toilet jokes. Uh, Steve, eight four eight five zero. We just have you for prime minister. No need for a cabinet. I'm afraid I would be saying what what the country wants. I think everybody and it doesn't matter who you are now I think people are sick to death of the way the country's going. I'm sick to death of politicians lying through their teeth. I'm sick to death of them making millions at the expense of other people. I'm sick to death of just the load of old cobswallop that most of them seem to come up with. I'm just I'm just sick to death of it. I'm sick to I got quite worried the other day. I had a horrible feeling that uh, the new mayor of London was going to impose another tax on me. Luckily my car's not diesel. And it was made after 2005. So if you've got a car made before 2005, they're going to charge you an extra £12.50. Basically, you're a peasant. They don't want you in town. It's as simple as that. Don't come in town. If you do come in town, you're going to be paying about £22 to get your car in. Have you heard of such a thing? It's apparently because he went to hospital and he saw children suffering from the effects of, of poor air quality. And apparently it's all these diesel cars out there, which, of course, you remember, you were encouraged to change your car to diesel because there were tax benefits and diesel became cheaper. It became cheaper. That was all under Gordon Brown. And so people went out and bought them. I, of course, shunned away from it. Ooh, don't a diesel car, do you? A bit noisier than most other cars. And I don't think they make my car in diesel anyway. And so they, everybody went out and bought it. Now you're being penalised. And also diesel went through the bloomin' roof. Went through the roof. Who can afford to run one well in this day and age? Answer, not many people. And so the mayor is going to increase the charge, and it's going to be about £22.50 a day if you've got a diesel car. I mean, really? Oh, I'm just looking at the television. It looks like my car going round there. Hello. That's no, it's not. It's somebody else's. <laughs> Look like mine, though. <laughs> Different colour, of course. That'd be quite funny, wouldn't it, really? You actually sit there. I remember there was a guy who um, who went up to the airport years ago, and he uh, he dro- he dropped his car off, and then he gets back, for some, I can't remember how it worked out, but anyway, he's going back down the motorway with a friend. And down the other side of the motorway, he sees his car going past. They've taken it out for a joyride. got to be very careful. When you, when you park your car at the airport, be very careful. You've not just pick up, picked up the, uh, the advert from a local, you know, internet or something like that. Go to the airport sites and make sure that you've got a recommended place. Because most of these cars are parked in fields or down industrial sites. So be very careful. Just because it looks cheap, there'll be a reason for it. OK, it is. It's Ferris Bueller's day off where they park in and then as they're going out the front, the kids are all in the car going out the back, going Yee! like that, going round town. And then, of course, it didn't help because when they eventually got the car home, they drove straight through the glass. And it, your worst nightmare, isn't it? Put put the foot on the wrong part of the car. <laughs> 84850, Uh Steve, I thought the inspectors were looking for the weapons that the British government sold to Saddam Hussein in the first place. And he kept hiding them. Well, there weren't any. That was the trouble. There weren't any. That's what we were all waiting for. As we were waiting to see these weapons of mass destruction. And they, and, they, and they tried everything, didn't they? They tried absolutely everything to sort of go, could they be here? No. Were they there? No. They weren't anywhere, were they really? I don't know. You sometimes, as I say, lose, ladies and gentlemen, the will to live. Um, apparently, did you know that Ryland was a body double... For Rupert Grint in Harry Potter. Oh, God, makes me feel physically ill, I think. And, um, and uh, one here. Oh, uh, wet it is in uh, Bangkok. And David sent me a lovely picture for some reason. He said the diet's gone out the window, which is good. And uh, Mike in Dedham says you must publish a book of the transcripts of some of your shows. Be a bestseller. Yes, I probably would, actually. Uh, another one here, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. On the subject of pork pies, subject of pork pie. somebody was asking about warm pork pies. And Ken said, yesterday you mentioned your Australian producer wanted to have his pork pie heated. He'd never eaten a pork pie. He'd never had a pork pie. They don't exist, apparently. Many years ago, my mother came over from Australia. She bought a pork pie in Harrods Food Hall and asked the lady behind the counter to hear it. On hearing my mother's Australian accent... Uh, she politely told her in this country, pork pies were eaten cold, apparently, a cold pork pie is an unknown concept in Australia. How it it must be vile if it 's hot? Do you not think so? I, th- I mean to be honest with you i don 't think I could actually eat I could eat a hot pork pie or even a even a warm pork pie. not so good uh, Steve, listening on the app in Boston tonight, surely the best thing to do when flashed is point and laugh and say, what a small one and um uh, Air Korean says, do you know, I couldn't tell you the man's surname. I don't know what Robin's surname is, but uh, if he's retired, then, Ian, that's that's the house I went to. Yes. In uh, Weybridge, uh, which was the cliff thing. And I've got the pictures. I'm going to have a look uh, and see if I can upload them to my Twitter page. So you can see some of the pictures that we took on uh, on Sunday. Uh, eight for LBC dot co dot UK. Another one here. Try and get in as many of these as we can. Um, people uh, here talking about, oh, Jack says Stephen hasn't had the hump this bad for a while. I just think it's occasionally you need to get it out of your system. I think it's occasionally you need to say, listen, I've had enough of this. I'm sick to death of bloody marches in London. Pardon my French. Not that that was French. But uh, if it was, uh, pardonnez-moi uh, l'argument. And, uh, and you get sort of marches in London. We have to put up with it. What the teachers have got to do with me, I've got no idea, but they ruined my day. And then we had the lorry drivers going slow, didn't we? And we've had every other sort of... Why can't they go and do it in a field, in Enfield or something like that? Why can't they go out of it? Wander around Hyde Park by yourselves. Do something. Just don't disrupt my... What's the point of disrupting my life? The people they're actually complaining about are tucked away in the Houses of Parliament. They can get in and out quite easily. The rest of us have to suffer while well, these people go, we're going demonstration, demonstration, government out, government out, demonstration, government out, equal rights for doctors, nurses, gay whales, babies, you know, all any sort of thing. I'm just so bored with it. Why can't I go and do it in, I don't know, Manchester? Go and do it in Manchester. Don't do it in London. We don't care. We don't care. It's very annoying. I want to get around town. I've got things to do. I haven't got time to faff around. Oh, lummy. me, honestly, I do. Manchester's a very good place to do it. Go do it in Manchester. I've missed the out time again. You see, I was getting so... I was doing so well this week. I was seriously doing quite well, thinking, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. As, what, what, what did Chris Evans say the other day? Breathe in, breathe out, exhale, lose another job. You know, it's that, that's the kind of thing it works for him. 12 minutes to five. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Bad news for poor J. Louise Knight... There she is. She's expected to come in here and do some travel. But at the moment, the M11 is shut south between Harlow and the M25, a serious accident. At this time of the morning. At this time of the morning. Ridiculous. So she's stuck in there at the moment. So M11 shut south from Harlow to the M25. OK, so that's the, that's the advice from J. Louise, who's stuck in it. Good luck. Good luck. We, we, we were trying to work out what we're going to be talking about if we can't have the travel news this morning. Perhaps you could just do it from the car or something like that. Um, somebody says, um, I'd like to see who's a new Home Secretary so you could sack that pesky Judge Grinder. Rinder. He's, um, so, but it's interesting, he's not a judge. He's not a judge. He's, um, he's specialised when he, he's, a, he's a, a barrister. He's not a judge, he's a barrister. They've just stuck him in this, you know, thing on the television to make him look a bit more important. He's not. He's absolutely not. He specialises in, <coughs> excuse me, money laundering and other forms of financial crime. He's best known, obviously not in the professional scene, as Judge Rinder. So they just sort of made it up. Uh, he's openly gay. No kidding. I never would have believed that. Would you have guessed? Would you have guessed in a million Is gay? I had him down as married with about six kids. Good Lord. He married his partner called Seth. Uh, the sever- ceremony was officiated by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch on the island of Ibiza, best place. Uh, They've actually occupation TV presenter. I don't know, not really. Actually, not my idea of a TV presenter. But he's not a judge. They've just made that up for the television. and And his real name's Robert Robert Rinder. His parents were imaginative, weren't they? Hello, Robert Robert Rinder Robert Michael Rinder. So he's just a barrister but, uh, but they, he's known as this professional name of Judge Rinder because they sort of think he so he's sort of acting as judge and jury, but he's not, not in this country at all, really isn't. And uh, it's a court show, but all it is, it's a direct rip-off of Judge Judy. That's all it is, it's a direct rip-off of Judge Judy, only with a gay man. You know, I mean, apparently the robes worn by him um, are regular barristers robes minus the wig and they don't resemble any judicial robes from England and Wales except for the robes worn by the Deputy High Court judges part-time judges called recorders wear the same robes with a wig but uh, as he's not a judge it's ridiculous same format as Judge Judy and Judge Mathis have you seen the Judge Mathis one that's rubbish that's absolute drivel that is 84850 oh, steve uh, and Samantha says you're always disparaging and sarcastic towards your producer no I'm always factually correct Seriously. She says, which is very funny, would you go for a beer or Prosecco with him? You are kidding. There's a court order against him. He's not allowed to get close to me. Why do you think I'm sitting in one room, he's sitting in the other one? I've got, I've got a restraining order. I went to a local court to get a restraining order. He's allowed to talk to me only through a third party. You know, so he has to say, can you ask Steve if he would like to do this particular... And then I replied back to the third party, and then it goes back to him. Oh, no, 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 there's no chance we're ever going to be seen out socially. That'll be a very rare picture, I tell you. No, I, I don't do things like that. What, well, socialise with people you work with? You must be mad. Absolutely not. No, I wouldn't fancy a Well, I'd fancy a Christmas barbecue if he was on it, yeah, but I wouldn't actually want to go to the thing. Oh, no, no, restraining order, and he's tagged. But then I think most Australians should be tagged anyway. I'm quite, quite in favour of tagging Australians. I think the moment they arrive in the country, I think you take them to a room and you go, this is, this is custom and practice in this country. Just fit this tag onto your leg, just so you can keep, keep track of where they're going. Oh, no, you don't want them wandering around. What, talking to people? Australians? Must be mad. Ridiculous. Steve, maybe you should organise a march protesting against people who hold marches. I quite like, I quite like that idea, actually. I quite like the idea of sort of having a march you know, appertaining to people who protest about them, saying, I don't, I don't like marches. I think it's, uh, I think it's awful. Uh, so then you've got the footballer's uh, tax scam. Uh, this is Lionel Messi. spared jail, besides, uh, despite receiving a 21-month sentence for tax fraud. Crook. Crook. 3.5 million tax scam? God. Anyway, he'll also be handed a £1.7 million fine. He's going to be put on probation. And his father, another crook, Obviously, runs in the family, doesn't it? The father was also found guilty of tax fraud. He was fined one point four million and given twenty-one month jail term. So, the uh, the Argentinian superstar crook didn't get the jail term, but his crooked father did. He says he knew nothing about it. People always say that, don't they? I know nothing about it. Or as um, you know, as they used to say in uh, in that lovely program, I know nothing. I know nothing. Uh, Carrie Everest is the girl. Who died after drinking thirty shots of vodka at a nightclub? She downed five pints of a cocktail called Purple after going out with friends to a pub popular for cheap booze. It attracts students, you know. I mean, I don't know what you can say. Each pint had four measures of vodka, an alcopop which contained another two vodka shots, and food coloring. Uh, she didn't have enough money to pay the full fare, so she she went out. She fell down a bank into a river, and died. So six, every glass she had was six. Shots of vodka. I mean, you're kind of asking for trouble, aren't you? And because she was so drunk and she didn't have any money, I don't know where her friends were, perhaps they'd just sort of given up. And um, the, the managing director of the corporation club, Mark Hobson, said his staff were upset. I bet they were. He says, when someone is too drunk, we give them water. On that night in particular, one or maybe two people gave Carrie water. She may have been drinking before she arrived at the club. How do you know that? If she'd been drinking before she arrived at the club and you noticed it... Why was she allowed in to drink more again? That's irresponsible, isn't it? That's very irresponsible. Anyway, uh, she sort of fell down this... uh, She was sitting on a wall and then fell down the bank into the river. And presumably she drowned there, but she was so drunk she couldn't do anything about it. Posh, scary, sporty, ginger and baby. Five stars... Uh, who changed pop forever. No, they didn't. What a load of old garbage, these people. They didn't change pop forever. No, they didn't. Who's written this? Oh, it's fat boy, fat Dan Wooten again. Oh, blimey, matey. They didn't change the face of pop forever. Where are you coming from? These blooming New Zealanders. Honestly, go back to your own place and try and produce some New Zealand pop stars. Have we ever found New Zealand pop stars? I can't remember if we, if we discovered any. Lord? Lord? Oh, don't even know who that is. That's it, is it? Small wonder, he obviously couldn't get any work where he was, so came and inflicted us. Crowded house, were they from New Zealand? Some of them? Some of them. But he's sort of going here, they changed the face of pop forever. He's such a crawler, he really is, he's so creepy, honestly. (laughs) Honestly. They're not going to get back together, love. You seriously think three of them are going to stand on stage and attempt to sound like five? How's that going to work? Especially as, you know, one of the people there is about the only one who could sing. So it's not going to happen. Uh, Shane says, did you know the BBC are making episodes of Keeping Up Appearances, Porridge and Up Pompeii? I don't think you can ever repeat these programmes. uh, You know, I'm I'm firmly of the opinion um, that you should just sort of leave the programmes as they were. How can you make Keeping Up Appearances? You're never going to find another hyacinth bouquet. You might find somebody who could sort of do roughly the same sort of thing, but it's really not going to work. Judge Rinder, let's just call him... Mr Rinder, shall we? Because that's all he is. Robert. Hello. So, Robert's got a new show called Crime Stories. How riveting. How riveting. Because they're obviously trying to find something that sort of ties in because he does money laundering. So, another boring story. As I say, it's it's sort of trying to make something out of somebody who's who's not very good. Uh, 70s, US telecop, Eric Estrada. Now, I'm convinced in the back of my mind, I used to watch Chips all the time because it was with uh, Larry Wilcox. It ran from 77 to 83. And, um, He's become a real-life police officer. Ponch uh, uh, now helps protect kids from online sex predators. The reserve officer... Oh, he's a reserve officer. I thought there was a story about Eric Estrada, going back years, on abuse. I think he hit his wife or did something. I've got a... In the back of my mind, there is a story of Eric Estrada. I'm sure he was done for abuse or... there There was certainly something that kind of went, oh... He hit somebody. I'm, I'm pretty certain there was some story about hitting a, his wife or girlfriend or something like that. And um, there you go. Eric Estrada sued by his wife for abusive acts. Uh, she's in hiding. She'd been battered and abused and all the rest of it. And so whether or not that, that came to anything, I don't know. But I remember that story. It's one of those things that you sort of you read and you go, oh, right, Eric Estrada, because I think Larry Wilcox died. I might be wrong on that, I, I, I can't remember, because I used to love chips. They were motorcycles, I can't ride a motorcycle for love nor money, but I absolutely loved it, wait a minute, no, he's still, oh, he's 68. 60, I love that programme, What if you can get it on DVD. Oh, should i shall be checking Amazon later, oh God, news is coming up. Uh, news is at uh, five o'clock, papers full this morning, as you know, if you've just woken up and it's nice to have your company. It's uh, it's Tony Blair, it's uh, it's the fact that he refuses to accept sort of just about anything, in fact, he's said, he's, he's quoted as saying... Um, uh, I'd, I'd do it all over again. Pointless exercise, obviously, you know, let's kill some more people, shall we, out there. 179 lost their lives. Uh, he was been savage for the Iraq war and the squaddy deaths. Weapons of mass deception uh, over what was going on in Iraq. They don't like him at all in the papers this morning, mainly because of his arrogance, mainly because of the fact he just cannot say, we got it wrong, I'm really sorry, I apologise to everybody. Now the families are talking about taking him to court... I wonder whether that will ever happen. News at 5 is next. I'm Steve Allen.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Becoming more infantile by the day, the One Show yesterday decided to change its name because apparently one of the presenters is Welsh to not the One Show but the Wales Show. So rivetingly exciting, really. You lose the. And sorry, and. And they lost, of course. So that's probably because Alex Jones was supporting them, one of the world's worst presenters on television. I mean, God knows they've tried everything. I mean, next to Rylan, I mean, she's managing to look reasonably presentable. But I mean, it's it's, it's a thin line, I'm afraid. Uh, Vicky Patterson's ex has signed up for the new celebrity Big Brother. Apparently, this no no name bloke uh, is so rivetingly dull, they reckon he's going to spill the beans on what? On Vicky Patterson? Lord above, honestly. Surely we're not that desperate, are we? Answer, yes. But also, Judge Geordie ended in a huge fight, leaving the host, Vicky Patterson, in shock. Uh, she grew to fame. That's what we do now in this country. We, we, we take no marks. And we go, you're a star. And they go, i star. I'm a star. Like that girl the other day. Do you remember the one who had sex on Love Island? And then finally we managed to drop her from Miss Great Britain. Sarah Holland, she's a Miss XGB. Did you see the picture of her, though? She turned up at the Tarzan premiere. Don't make me say it, please, God. Don't make me say it. I'd get myself into dreadful trouble. But what in God's name was she doing there? Nothing to do with movies, nothing to do with films. She's just some some old sort of hag who turned up on the television, had sex on television, then wondered why people got rid of her. Stupid woman. Anyway, Vicky Patterson... How to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, not. Uh, she describes the incident, as, as in Judge Geordie, as the most dramatic thing she's ever seen. It gives you a rough idea. She needs to see a few pictures of herself drunk. Anyway, water was sorry. She's actually judging other people. God in heaven, honestly. It gets to be something, doesn't it? It's like putting White D on a programme and going, let's see what lifestyle images uh, sh- she can come up with to make you sort of change your idea about yourself. I think not, dear. Let's go back to the place where you originated obscurity stay there uh vicky uh lewis apparently has lived with his mate mo for 10 years but i don't know um, i'm assuming is, is a woman uh but anyway mo is becoming a bit of a liability within the household and vicky wants to see if she can get them to continue living together this is vicky patterson can't even sort her own life out and offers advice to other people it's hilarious isn't it we really perhaps she should advise uh, tony blair over the iraq conflict i mean that would be the thing wouldn't it anyway vicky says apparently i can't do the accent Mo has a bit of a problem treating women with respect. Well, I don't like that, and it doesn't fly with me. They've all got the. Have you noticed? They've all got this little speak. It's like you know they sort of say, "Yeah, that you've been mugging me off." That's a very popular one in Chav terms. You've been mugging me off. Sorry, mugging me off. I hear it a lot in Towie. You get that. Um, who's the drag queen in it? Oh, Chloe Sims. You get her going that a lot. She does that a lot because when you see her without makeup, seriously, it's a bloke, seriously, seriously, with makeup on, it's drag. It's the worst makeup you've ever seen. She makes Jessica Wright look nearly feminine. But anyway, uh, to camera, Vicky added, he sounds... I can't even repeat that on the programme. I can't say that, can I? Is it five... Anyway, this this is Vicky, because she's real class. She says, he sounds like a bit of a bell end. I mean, and you ask, you know, and you go, is that class? The answer, not. She adds, I've met some proper... And this guy's the king of all... As Lewis says, our relationship could end tonight. These people are so sad and lonely. I mean, do you not really just want to take them all in an aircraft, go out over the North Sea, open the door and go goodbye and just push them all out? They can all go and swim for land, as far as I'm concerned. And then it kicks off between Vicky, Mo, and Lewis. Lewis jumps to the host's side and says, don't speak to a woman like that. Mo says, shut your... She uses the rude F word before it all goes a bit south. And then she throws a drink, or he, he throws a drink... And then they have to bring in the extra security. I mean, to be honest with you, doesn't it sound like the sort of people, if you live next door to them, sell up and move. Because they're only going to devalue your property. Uh, Judge Geordie airs tonight. It's on MTV, so nobody will see it. Do you know anybody who watches MTV anymore? I don't know anybody who watches it. But, uh, but that's the best that poor Vicky Patterson's agent can get for her. And so you mug me off, throws the drink out. And they all do it, even in TOWIE. You've got these peculiar people. Who seem to walk down I forget where they 're filming at the moment, Benidorm or something, and uh, they all walk down the street with their shirts off and you th- and then some of them have got tattoos up their neck, what they do for a living as I said, but i mean i'm i 'm const- watching a program at the moment it 's a bit boring it 's uh, called the tattoo something, and it 's where people who 've had tattoos done go there to get them changed because they don 't like you wouldn 't believe the filth these people have tattooed on their bodies, and tattoo fixes you go in there. And three peculiar people uh, go, oh, well, I'll see if I can change that into a bunch of flowers or something. I mean, I can't tell you what some of the tattoos are. And they go, oh, I had a bit of a holiday tattoo. And they've had all sorts of strange things tattooed all over the place. It's just, and you sort of sit there and watch this and they go, is it hurting? They go, yeah, yeah. And I think, good, I'm glad it's hurting. Because all those people have had it tattooed up their neck. You know, the people who are never going to make anything of themselves. You imagine, you get to 50 years old and you've got tattoos up your neck. Oh, blimey. You're going to be shunned by everybody. If I was running a restaurant or a bar, sorry we don't want people like you in here. Out, out, out. Don't mind you having tattoos on your body, but not up your neck. You really are dreadful. Uh, 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk Well, I've just put one picture up on my Twitter feed, which is at Steve Allen Show, and it's a picture from Sunday at Robin's house, and it's, uh, it's a picture of me, Gloria, Mr. Connolly, and Cliff Richards, And I'll attempt to put a few more up before the end of the programme. OK? Because I'm in, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. Nothing nothing sort of, sh- apart from Tony Blair and the arrogance, but then I, I thought that was going to happen anyway. Uh, somebody suggested you to run the country. How about forming a, a coalition with some other great broadcasters, says Mike and Ashton, like sort of Arthur Smith? I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I understand. I remember years ago uh, talking to... Um, I can't remember what his name was. But he became the sports minister, Tony, his name was. He died, and he was the sports minister. And, uh, he, was really, and he came in to do an interview with me, and I said, well, it must be great that you're sports minister. And he said, it's lovely, he said, but I haven't got any power. He said, I, I can't do anything at all. I cannot do anything. He said, I've got, that's it, Tony Banks. Tony Banks died uh, back in, uh, I can't remember when he, when he died, At the 20th of October, 1999. No, he's minister of sport for two years Died 2006. Yeah, 10 years ago. He was uh, he was well known in the House of Commons for his acid tongue. But actually, when you got him away from that, he came into LBC. We got a really great interview with him. And he said to me, I've got no power. He said, I cannot do anything. The clubs are so powerful. They're so powerful um, that I can't do anything about it. So he was a, a minister, basically, without portfolio, poor soul. But he was always rude about people. Which I quite liked, actually. I don't think it's any the matter of being rude about people, or as I, as I prefer to call it, being honest, which is much better. Uh, Sarah says, enjoying my cup of tea and peanut butter on toast this morning whilst listening. I see yet again another story about Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston, the pretend romance. When will they stop reporting it? Um, well, I think now her, her fans have turned against her. And they've said, either you stop this ridiculous game that you're playing, uh, or we're going to stop buying your records. Now, when you get the fans saying that to somebody, that's, that means it's getting serious. This is this ridiculous relationship where she gets him to put on a T-shirt with her name on it. And, as I say, there's no chance of him ever becoming James Bond. No chance. Barbara Broccoli um, wouldn't have anybody like that. You know, Bond is supposed to be sophisticated. He can go out with women and he's supposed to be sexy. Unfortunately, Tom Hiddleston's completely scuppered himself. He looks like the proverbial handbag for Taylor Swift. She drags him around. He's no longer the favourite. No, I think the the papers have all given up on him. He's he's quite clearly, you know, too daft to realise that he's screwed it up completely. Uh, James Norton knocked Aidan Turner out of the the race, and so we'll have to wait and see who's going to come. I mean, none of these people, to me, look like James Bond at all. They really don't. Uh, So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Norton must be feeling very happy in his valley right now, at the news, so he's been pushed up there. And now we've got rid of Tom Hiddleston. What a stupid person. How to screw up your career. How to really screw it up. You look like a complete dipstick, matey. You really should have learnt better. I mean, either you're that dumb or she's just playing you for an, in, for an idiot. And also, as somebody said, when they saw him in his pants, it was emulating one of the other Bonds. They said but the other Bond had something to put in his pants. Which I thought was very cruel. That's some dreadful thing to say, isn't it, really? So, um, the next James Bond, I, I don't care, but it certainly won't be Tom Hiddleston. I'd be very, very surprised, very surprised. Weather for today, I'd be very, very surprised if it rained. Very, very surprised if it rained today. So it's going to be dry and bright with light wind. Uh, mainly dry and bright across many areas today. Sunny spells at times. Variable amounts of cloud. Chance for a few showers late afternoon. And uh, tomorrow, Friday, cloudy with showery rain, perhaps occasionally heavy across northern parts. It always is, though, isn't it? If You live in the northern parts. Becoming drier across many areas later in the afternoon, but remaining cloudy. 20 degrees, Saturday to Monday. I'm being lazy this weekend. I've decided I've, I've had such a such a busy week for me that I need to rein myself back in again. So Friday, I'm just going to go down and have um, lunch uh, with my brother. We're going to check, actually, if J. Louise is in. She might still be sitting in this traffic, poor soul. I haven't actually checked my... Uh, my, uh, my um, my, my tweets again, so I shall have a look and see if she's written back going, I'm still stuck in the traffic, which we don't like, do we? But, uh, no. Uh, everybody liking the picture so far of Cliff? I'll, I'll do another one. I'll do another one, actually. Uh, we've got a very good one of, of Cliff doing a sort of a waving behind us, which I quite like. I can't remember how we did it now. I'll have to sort of go back to the producer again, let him do it. The producer we're talking to as opposed to the producer we're not talking to on the programme. Is she in? Is she... Be- Oh, Jim Diamond. Is Jim Diamond doing? Oh, bless his heart, honestly. Look at that. That's over and above. That's over and above. He'll, he'll, he'll actually be getting extra money for that. For sort of city... No, wait. won't be. I don't know why I've said it, actually. Uh, so what's it going to be on Sunday? Uh, Sunday, muggy and wet conditions should clear. And so Sunday will be fresher with sunshine and scattered showers into Monday. That's nice, isn't it? I can live with that. You live with that? I can live with that. Oh, that's good. I will go through the papers. Uh, in a moment to try and find some other stories which are marginally more interesting. Mark in Hastings, which is God's waiting room, isn't it, really? He says tattoo fixers featuring wall-to-wall dross. It's the same every week. People go in there and show rude tattoos. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a one-trick pony. It's like turning onto a programme where the person's making sticky buns every week. It's exactly the same thing. All they're doing is taking away somebody's... um, tattoos, because they were too drunk or too stupid or too stoned to realise what was going on, and they've had these embarrassing tattoos done, and then somebody else has to clear up the mess. I mean, it's frankly, it's boring in the extreme. I agree. Uh, 8 for 8, 5, oh, Malcolm says, can't stand... Um, yes, the pictures have worked, Warren. Thank you very much indeed. So, first one's gone up on the Twitter, and we'll put another. We we'll have to get the producer to do it again a bit later. We'll put the other ones up as well. Uh, can't stand Judge Rinder, says Malcolm. As you say, the show's a rip off of Judge Judy. Oh, it's just a complete copy, complete copy. Only the difference is she's entertaining and interesting to look at, and he's boring, very dull. It's uh, amazing how unimaginative TV companies are and have to copy the Americans. Um, well, I think they all do it. I think the Americans copy some of our shows. And we try and copy some of their shows. And uh, Tom Hiddleston, Steve, says Shane is more like Brooke Bond than James Bond. I agree. Kerry Howard's going to play a young Hyacinth bouquet in a prequel to Keeping Up Appearances. You just cannot do that. I just wish they'd leave it... I'm el- oh, sorry. I just wish they'd absolutely leave it... Oh, Warren's not on Twitter. Well, you have to get on Twitter then, won't you? What can I do if they're not on... I can't put them anywhere else. I can't do... No, I'm sorry. I can't help you on that one, Warren. Mind you, you've already got the pictures anyway, So, because <laughs> you have sent them to me in the first place. You need to get on Twitter. I bet he's on some really odd ones. He's on some very odd sites, I should imagine. <laughs> Grownups.com. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And this one here, it says, uh, nice picture on Twitter. Who ate the pork pies? Me. Me. Have you noticed that in that, in that first picture I've actually put on there, um, and um, sorry it just made me laugh um, <laughs> I forgot what I was saying actually <laughs> what was I saying oh that's right the first picture on on Twitter is uh, is a Brian Connolly holding my stomach which does look as though he's resting on it and I said it was just the way I was standing I'm actually really thin I'm six stone seven pounds well it was when I was born John the Greengrocer says you don't like Judge Rinder because you're so alike because I, I have this thing of going wait a minute Or actually, it could have gone in... Wipe out! (laughs) But it never sounded the same. I do that all the time, actually. John knows I hate him. I can't bear him. But I've got lots of listeners who like him. So, who am I to disagree, ladies and gentlemen? Who am I to disagree? Sounds like the title of a song, doesn't it? Actually, I found found a brilliant thing the other day. James O'Brien told me how to... um, How to actually ban somebody completely. How to ban somebody completely. And the person who who wrote a lot of things, who clogs up everything. I've managed to ban him since Tuesday. Nothing since Tuesday at all, so I'm very grateful. That's really good. J- James O'Brien has his uses at times, and that was one. He said, oh, to ban them, you do this, this, and then this, and I've now forgot what it is. But, um, and he said, and then they, they don't appear ever again. And this one, who was just a bit of a bore, I think slightly psychotic, uh, used to send in a lot of texts, but they just went into the, into the junk bin, but it was clogging up the junk bin, so I've now managed to block them completely. So now they don't even appear in the junk bin. Yeah, result, I tell you, I'm very good at doing things like this. Very good. I also ban people if I think they've been associating with somebody who who uh, is equally disparaging about the program. I ban them completely. I've, I've I've warned people about that before. And um, oh, Cliff is at this four day wedding. I think it's today. I think it starts. At, I've never heard of a four day wedding. Is that because they can't make the minds up? Is that I mean I mean what do you do at a four-day wedding apart from eat a lot of food? That's not going to affect Cliff at all. No, he'll no. Of course, he's going to miss. Wait a minute. Four. What's today? Thursday, Friday, Sat. Oh Lord, he's not going to miss the. Don't tell me he's going to miss the Wimbledon final. Can't see that happening. Can you? I can't see. Uh, Steve, can you imagine what Judge Judy would say to Tony Blair? <laughs> She's one... I love her. I'm sorry, case dismissed. She walks out. Whereas he's just a pale imitation over in this country. That's fine. If it, I mean, I don't know what its audience is. I don't know if it gets an audience or doesn't get an audience. We'll have to find out. And um, uh, Glow thought it was brilliant, you coming down. That's Gloria. People call her Glow. Okay? Every, it's, like, uh, it's like Barbara Windsor. People go, Babs. No. Friends call her Bar. It's as simple as that. I get the amount of people who say to me, it's, it's, it's Babs Windsor, isn't it? I go, I've never called her Babs in her entire life. It's always been Barr. Have I missed an out time? No, I have. Have I? Re- oh, God, I'm hopeless. I'm rubbish this morning. I'm ever so sorry. I'm sorry the programme's terrible. I've done my best to try and make something entertaining. But it's, the, it's this Chilcott report. It's kind of thrown me a little bit. Because I did say the other day that the papers were going to be full of Tony Blair. Uh, they're going to be talking about his arrogance. He just can't accept the findings. We've had a seven-year finding. He just dismisses it. Like, you know, I'd do it again. Well, thank God, as I said earlier on, you'll never get the chance, matey. 19 minutes past five.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: We found some other people, incidentally. I've got a listener in uh, New Zealand uh, called Neasy. I, I don't know if... That, I'm so sorry. <laughs> How rude of me. I, I don't know, actually, Neasy, if that's... Uh, if that's um, well, actually, it turns out to be um, a lady... I think it's a lady. Yes, I'm, I'm pretty certain it is. Happily married to Ian. Two wonderful sons. They've lived in Wellington, but they don't like the earthquakes. I don't know they had a... Mind you, they, they did feel... A friend of mine went to New Zealand said he couldn't believe how much it rained. They had more rain than we did. They spent most of their time... They went whale-watching, actually. But said, uh, listening in New Zealand, Hi Nisi, who's a kiwi bird. Which I quite like, actually. Uh, we have Keith Urban, Neil and Tim Finn, Hayley Westenra, Anita Moa, Lauder. Is it Lord or Lorde? Lord. Uh, Bick Runga and Dame Kiri Takanawa. Thank you. She says, and lots more. Tim Finnis is the one from Crowded House. Okay, lovely. There you go. <laughs> so we've learnt something new this morning. I wonder what time it is over in New Zealand. If you're listening to this programme, are you, are you ahead or behind? You must be ahead of us, I suppose, which is great. Uh, I've sent some more pictures out uh, on my Twitter at Steve Allen Show. You're 4.24 in the afternoon at the moment. 4.24. There you go. That's cool, isn't it? I like the idea that it's 4.20. Isn't it funny? A programme that we do, it's drive time. I'm drive time for you. Isn't it funny that a programme that we think works at this time of the morning in London, you think it's acceptable at 4.24 in the afternoon, which means this, this, this programme kind of transcends or it doesn't matter what the time is, you could still listen to this programme, whether it's sort of early hours of the morning. Um, uh, one here. Actually, so I got an end. In- Where did I get one here? I found one. I want to know what this is, actually. Somebody's following me. Here, and it's Royal Lodge Estate. I'm always interested by sort of when people start following me. It's formerly part of the Duchy of Lancaster Estate, so brilliant, whatever it is. I love the idea. Love the idea. And Jamie is uh, obviously a Queen's Park Rangers supporter. Well, somebody's got to be, haven't they? He says being controversial. Uh, Also, some other ones coming in here. Uh, Kristen, uh, first-time listener. She retweeted, retweeted. And uh, and Andrew says... uh, uh, we've now seen the uh, the pictures, plus John as well, and a few other people like them. So if you're a cliff fan, you can see them on there. And those were taken on uh, on Sunday. So the M11 is still shut south from Harlow to the M25. Uh, Jay Louise, oh, she'll be fuming. She'll be absolutely fuming because I've done this when I came back from from the from the cliff. Uh, uh, party, uh, I got stuck in the traffic on the motorway, and there's nothing more frustrating than sitting in the traffic. I mean, it really it drove me to distraction. I try I try not to get upset when I'm driving because I'm so used to to driving, and and I absolutely love driving. But when I immediately it grinds to a halt, and you see the cars up in front, all the brake lights come on, and you go, oh no, I'm going to sit in traffic. And eventually we sort of got through it. I tell you the worst place at the moment in London, Knightsbridge. I don't know what they're doing, but it's down to one lane in either either direction. It's bad enough at the best of times. Bad enough at the best of times. Uh, Phil says, if they'd made that clown, this is Tom Hiddleston, James Bond, I'd have ended my love affair with the franchise after 37 years. I don't think there is a cat in hell's chance of uh, of him getting it. I think, as I say, if even the Taylor Swift people are turning against, I mean, perhaps he thought it was good publicity. It's the worst publicity he's ever had. The worst publicity. He's made the biggest mistake of his life. Seriously. And I don't, I, I don't say that lightly. I'm just saying that some people go, oh, it's great, we've got loads of pictures in the papers, and it kills people's career. It really does. You've, you've got to be, you know, so... I've noticed that uh, front page... He must be killing his career slowly but surely. Peter Andrex is on, uh, is on front page of OK Again, talking about his dreary existence and how he's, how he's going to be doing a yoghurt advert. Oh, my. which he had to take over from somebody else. He wasn't even first choice. Wasn't even first choice. And so you think to yourself, how many more times... Oh, and then the other story, which really got me going, was uh, there was one story, because apparently Peter Andre has not seen Harvey, which is not his son, by the way, just in case fans seem to think it is. It's not his son, Okay, It's somebody else's. It's Dwight York's son. Although Dwight York appears to have had very little to do with Harvey, if anything at all. And so after Pete split... With, uh, with, with the the ugly one, um, Katie Price. That's I couldn't remember the name. So far. I just kept thinking ugly, ugly, uh, bad Botox, bad filling, bad everything. And um, he then didn't see Harvey, and he hadn't seen Harvey for years. And then magically, they're obviously going, "Oh, you need to sort of ingratiate yourself, Pete." So he's apparently seen him after he read the story that Katie Price's latest husband i say latest because there'll be another one believe you me and probably another one as well kieran wants to adopt harvey well it's not his son you can't just go around adopting people's children well these people stupid and then somebody said oh you know because pete was so fond of harvey yeah but it's not his son and the fans are going pete pete should adopt him so because harvey really loves him he's not seen him for years years you know, it's real. It's let's milk this for the publicity that it is. But it's not Peter's son, I'm afraid. It's somebody else's. You can't just go round adopting people's children you go, oh, hello, I'm more of a father to you. And some of the fans, some of the Peter Andre fans are quite clearly barking mad. Somebody said he's been more of a father than Dwight York. It doesn't matter. It's not his son. These people are really stupid, really, really stupid. Speaking of American remakes, says Shane, you know Three's Company was a remake of Man About the House? Yeah, it didn't work for me in America, but then didn't we do a version of Golden Girls? We called it Brighton Bells, and it was set down in, surprisingly, Brighton, and it wasn't very good. Uh, Ronnie says, I'm listening in Florida, and it's just after midnight. Your show transcends time for me. Uh, Apparently in Texas, where everything's big, it's 11.26pm at night. So you get me just before you go to bed, or if you're in Florida, you're, just going to, you're probably in bed at the moment, which is quite nice, actually. I've not been in this many people's beds for quite a, quite, quite a... well, about 24 hours. 5.30. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I love it when you get people writing in from overseas, because I never know how, how people discover this programme or, or anything else. You just get people who sort of write to me and they go, I'm listening in Minnesota, or I'm listening you know, in Dubai, or I'm listening here. And I think to myself, how did you discover this I forgot to ask Cliff on Sunday how he discovered the programme. Whether or not they were flipping through the dial. They went, oh, look, we can pick up LBC. I didn't, I didn't know. I forgot to ask that question. Never mind, I'm sure we'll meet again. Uh, serious smash on the A21, says Mark. Uh, this is uh, London bound M25, Junction 5 Air ambulance just landed What the heck's going on this morning? Two, two bad accidents We we'll don't hear about things like this, do we? But uh, Mark is from Great Yeldum in Essex He's Hastings bound Oh, you poor soul, honestly I have a lot, a lot of sympathy And Phil says, if New Zealand are ahead of us Have they heard what you're going to say before you say it? No, but they have in the studio uh, They actually hear it before you hear it which is quite good. <laughs> I quite like the idea that people hear things and then you try and explain to people about the, uh, about the delay and it, it, it gets more confusing the more times I, I try and explain to people exactly what it is because even I don't understand it. Uh, sunny Cyprus, 34 degrees, says Dallas. I listen every morning whilst I drive to Bow in East London. I have got so used to the banter, I'm now listening to you from Cyprus while on holiday. Love the show. Thank you very much indeed. I like the idea that people get... Uh, I get people writing to me constantly, as you can well imagine. And uh, mainly it's the letters. And uh, it's sort of people writing in going, I'm going on holiday, but I'm taking you with me. I think I've been on more people's holidays than anybody else. So I'm very excited by the fact that people sort of write in and say, oh, I'll be listening to the programme. I've, I've downloaded all the podcasts and I'm going to take them with me on holiday. Which is what people... going on there? What was that? All right, okay. So, anyway, so, uh, become all lovey dovey around the studio this morning. We're doing sort of group hugs, I think, later on. It's a bit of a fright, isn't it, really? I do have to join the spirit. i will be, be another blooming restraining order out very shortly. You watch. Hug an Australian. Make their parents proud of them. Hug an Australian. Because I shouldn't. I don't. I, I, talking to Australians, as, as I do through an interpreter, I, I get the impression they don't get much love. They don't get much love at all. That's why I always feel a bit sorry for them. But that doesn't matter, does it? Listen, that's what life is all about. Life is is twists and turns and good things. Uh, Dan says, we get LBC here in Croydon. It's just turned 5.30. How lovely, honestly. You see, mad as broomsticks in Croydon. What have I told you before? They're mad. You know, people go, come to Croydon. And I go, no. Oh, J. Louise is in. J. Louise is in. She's here. Bless her heart. So she's just... Poor soul, honestly. Should be very stressed now. Should be very stressed. But we've got Jim Diamond for one one little moment there. But he he stood in and helped us out. So thank you to him for that. Uh, what else have we got in the papers? I'm trying to find something actually. There's uh, the Amazon bosses feeling the force. Apparently, Star Wars gifts head the UK's online shopping list. I've got to find out. Can you find it on Amazon? Oh, no, you're doing that thing. Do it later. Um, but I'm, I'm going to find out because I, No, I was going to find out whether the box set of chips was available. I can't imagine how dated it would look. I can't imagine. I bought all sorts of box sets. I absolutely love box sets. I've got this thing about box sets at the moment. I've got to think about winning the lottery, but that's another thing that'll bypass me, I should imagine. Uh, Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe is now a neo-Nazi in his uh, latest movie. He's so adaptable, this boy. I call him a boy because I always think of him as uh, as as Harry Potter, and uh, and I've always sort of uh, admired him. He just he just gets on. He just loves it. It is available, is it? Is it really? Oh, wonderful. What are you showing me? There's nothing there. No, nothing on the screen. (laughs) That's why I said, what are you showing me? I don't get anything at all on that screen. I just get... uh, Oh, computer not playing ball. Computer say, uh uh-uh. Not what we used to like, wasn't it, years ago. So, I mean, if you have just woken up, and well done you for that, uh, it is Chilcot. It is Blair. The papers don't like him at all. They really, really do not like him. They really don't. Uh, Also... Uh, this is boxing star Amir Khan escaped a road ban after claiming. Oh, there you go. Chips, complete season one, nine ninety nine. Ooh, it's complete season one. I wonder what it looks like. I mean, I, I wonder if the, the the colours on it. I wonder if it looks a bit dated, because I think oh, there's three. Oh, well, you can get all three. I can get complete season one, complete season two, and complete season three. Why is it the third season is twenty one pounds and the other two are nine ninety nine? I'm not buying that one. I think that's that's. I don't want to spend forty-one pounds. I think that's a sneaky way to get you. So I'm, I'm, I shall I shall buy it later. I should buy series one and series two. But for the light, oh, there's another one. Season. Wait a minute. Season one DVDs. Look how expensive it becomes. Complete season one thirteen seventy-five, and then fourteen ninety-nine. I'm not spending that much money. I'm really not. I don't have that sort of money to throw around. I've got to put overpriced petrol in the car. But uh, chips. That's John Baker and Frank Ponch Poncherello. Cruise the freeways of, uh, of Los Angeles. But I can't remember, really, what, what they did. I mean, I understand the, the premise behind it. There must be a limit to how many pile-ups you can have on a motorway. Really good, though. Accommodation of light comedy and melodrama. Each episode would start with Ponch and John on routine patrol or being assigned to an interesting beat such as Malibu or Sunset Strip. I just love it. I love it. When they used to film, there was one, one uh, series they filmed in America. I can't remember which one it was. But I remember saying to them, did you film that live on the streets? They said, yeah, that was ordinary members of the public standing there watching us filming. Because they knew. I'll tell you what it was. It was Cagney and Lacey, because I interviewed both of them. And, um, and they said the, uh, the public would just stand around watching. He said You couldn't help it. They were watching a, a filming, which is, uh, which is sort of great, actually. So I'm, I'm definitely going to get them. And then they would alert the officers to be on the lookout for a particular criminal operation, such as people staging accidents as part of an insurance scam. Oh, I definitely want this now. Don't you want this? Come on, all of you do. You do. You want to watch Chips again, don't you? Those very tight uniforms. Uh, How many episodes? 139 and one TV movie. You see, I bought the um, uh, Columbo box set. And there was one made in this country, which I absolutely loved. So it started 78. Sorry, 77. 1977. Good Lord. That was before I even joined LBC. 1977. Great series. Kids would like it, I think, nowadays. I hope it stands out. I'll, I'll, what I'll do, I'll, I'll get one of them. Last one, I think, was uh, October 83. Was that? That's the last, last aired. October 83. Uh, the TV movie was 98. It must look fairly old by that. I love this here. One of the episodes. A tow truck driver, Rob's woman who called for assistant, Ponch, breathes in nitrous oxide laughing gas at an accident scene and becomes loopy. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That was the story. John takes a liking to a stray pooch found on the freeway, but when the dog won't stay quiet, he leaves the pup with Ponch. After a traffic stop, a trio of young toughs decide to teach Ponch a lesson, but it may be John who'll pay the price. Woo! I mean, that one in itself. Even, even better. Whilst on a date, Ponch receives a ticket and decides to attend traffic school to hide the citation, From Getra. I think it's the boss, isn't it? Getrea or something like that. And this one here, this is a really cracking one. It's called Baby Food. When an unsecured load of defective baby food spills onto the freeway, Ponch and John must race against time to find two of the missing cases. Wow! This is like really hot stuff. (laughs) Makes Esther Ranson's That's Life seem a bit tame, doesn't it? There's one here. A leather-clad duo on dirt bikes heist cash from area supermarkets. An eccentric defendant from traffic court vows to demonstrate that Ponch is incompetent. I I mean, that's like going to Slough and driving around the Ring Road. That's as exciting. That's as exciting as going to Basingstoke, ladies and gentlemen, and finding somebody who, A, understands what you're talking about, and, secondly, can point you in the right direction of the road out of Basingstoke. I love it. My favourite, though... A sophisticated ring of thieves drives away Rolls Royces in broad daylight. And Ponch receives tickets to his favourite game show, Name Your Price, which is similar to, to The Price is Right. I mean, this stuff is hot. This is You don't get this on other radio programmes. Uh, seriously, there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason for it. So there's a lot of them, and I'm going to get them today. How complete is my life? If only they... And I was saying this to Paul Cooper the other day. If only they invent a tablet that you could take at night time and then all the weight would just fall off you and you wake up in the morning and they go so, so what, what size do you want to be and go I'd quite like to be about 11 stone and they go well that's exactly what you are 11 stone because a friend of mine said the other day he said you, you must better get tablets I said listen you can't take a tablet that will lose the weight where do you think it's going to go to where do you think the skin's going to go to no if you take a tablet and the weight falls off which of course it doesn't ever fall off it's a case you've then got to get sort of tummy tucks to get it all tightened up again You know, it's no good. You just want really something that, you know... I've noticed, though, I'm I'm obviously buying trousers too big. Because twice yesterday, water in the baskets, my shorts fell down. Twice. I think I'm doing it deliberately. I call it doing a Chris Evans. Except we don't actually drop all the other bits at the same time. So, I do want Gemma Collins' workout uh, DVD. Also, I'm going maybe camping next year. I'd quite like to borrow one of her dresses. Uh, Anyway, Amir Khan turns up in court, escapes a driving ban after claiming he was speeding away from a crazed fan. He argued the obsessed follower was tailgating his uh, Land Rover, forcing him to speed off. Unfortunately, he does have a string of driving convictions. Uh, He was convicted uh, of careless driving in 2007 after he mowed down a pedestrian. The victim died two years later from a gastro-internal bleed. In 2008, accused of speeding at more than 140 miles an hour on the M62. 2009, involved in a crash with a young cyclist. Police concluded he was not to blame. So they hit him with six points on his licence for the latest incident. He was also fined £800. I mean, really, it's quite clear the disaster behind the wheel. Quite clear this should be taken off the road immediately. But mind you, the rate he's going shouldn't take too much longer, should it, really? Uh, apparently, did you know that in Chips... Oh, here we go. We're going to get all the Chips fans now, aren't they? Um, uh, no police officer ever drew their gun from their holster. You can have that bit of trivia for free to impress your friends with Steve, says Nigel. Listen, if I have friends who'd be impressed by that kind of trivia I'd have to get rid of them. Seriously they're expecting a little bit more a little bit more. And um, uh, somebody called Freddy, who's in Ramsgate I don't know, we've had people in Ramsgate before he says, I just had a thought, do you run a delay in case you have a naughty word moment I've never had a naughty word moment it's an inbuilt mechanism. Don't ask me how it works. It is an inbuilt mechanism that you do not use a naughty word on the programme. No, the inbuilt delay is compulsory. You have to have it if you're doing programmes that involve phone-ins or, or speech or something like that. You have to have that so that if I say something naughty, I can either push a button or the, um, or the producer can push a button. And so if I miss it and he doesn't miss it, then we're fine. If both of us miss it, then we're not fine. But uh, that's, that's why it's there for it, It's compulsory. It's compulsory. You have to have it. It's the law. Uh, Axel says, yes, Amazon sell the chips box set. I'm going to have to get it now. Got, I'm, I mean, seriously, I'm going to have to get it, because it's just, it's, it's just great. Uh, I just think it's... Yeah, I just think it's it's a good idea. Good idea to get things like that. And I bet you anything, by the time I get around to doing it, somebody will have bought the two blasted box sets there, and I won't be able to get them. Uh, Vicky Patterson's ex-lover, somebody called Stephen Baer has signed up for Celebrity Big Brother. What what, what would he be in there for? He's not a celebrity. He's just some sort of bloke who hung around with Vicky Patterson. They both appeared in X on the Beach. And he only went out with her for three months. And that makes him a celebrity, does it? No, it doesn't. It makes him a plank. But apparently, now she can't stand him. She says he's literally the most vile, horrendous, snaky, conniving and manipulative person. We'll have something in common then, won't you? He claims he was good as gold when I left. But, of course, he would say that, so they think you're putting him on the television for Celebrity Big Brother, for some lowlife. Why would you put somebody like that on that? He's not a celebrity. He's just an old has-been. But, uh, anyway, it's all very exciting. Stephen is a reality star, apparently, the Stephen Bear. That's what a source said. And knows how to work the cameras and get airtime. Nobody's ever heard of him. He only went out with her for three months. And dear God in heaven, that's not something you write about, is it, in your diary? Went out with Vicky Patterson. Shh. Keep it quiet, please. I love that he knows how to work the cameras, the garbage these people are going. What are these people who write this stuff? Are they 12 years old or something? They certainly can't be very old, can they? They can't be uh, in the real world with the rest of us. I wonder what's, what spin the Daily Express have managed to put on the Chilcot report. Shamed Blair, I'm sorry, but i do it again. In other words, it's just fake crocodile tears, isn't it? It's a case of, yeah, all right, sorry, but still do it. All right, you do it again, yeah. Dreadful. Stars cheering on uh, Andy Murray to the semis. Lovely. Uh, the Welsh history boys have bowed out. Not so good. Uh, Blair is the world's worst terrorist. This headline appears in a number of, uh, number of newspapers. And so they've got loads of pictures of him with the troops. 179 didn't come back. And, uh, and then you look at all the, uh, the mums and the parents of the boys who died and they've got to come to terms with it. Uh, sorrow and regret, he says, but I'd go to war again. Uh, the MPs who voted to back the Iraq war should take a fair share of responsibility. So says uh, David Cameron. His address to a hushed Commons was followed last night by Jeremy Corbyn apologising on behalf of the Labour Party. Mr Cameron promised that the government would learn lessons from Chilcot. What do you mean learn lessons? What lessons? What lessons? What not to tell lies? Not to pretend something was going on when it didn't go on. Not to sort of send our boys out there in kit which was, which was just not fit for purpose. Difficult day. Mr Cameron said, difficult day, that's that's how death is described now in in government terms, for the 179 British service personnel and 23 British civilians who died. Difficult day, that's how it is. Terribly sorry, terribly sorry about that. Difficult day for you. But we lost our son. I know, difficult day, isn't it, really? It's like sort of, oh, the fish shop's closed, by the way, as well. She want me to get your fish and chips tonight. Labour MPs jeered, angry scenes as Mr Corbyn branded the action illegal. Labour MPs jeered in concern. He was reopening party divisions rather than focusing on the report. Also takes away any heat from him, doesn't it, really? I suppose if he sort of tries to sort of uh, get everybody on side, they'll, they'll kind of forget about the fact that we're probably going to be looking for a new Labour leader as the Conservatives will be looking for a new leader. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I've never known a time like it. It really is, but it's in all the papers today. Uh, the record 24 years for the cruel lesbians who killed Liam Too a disgusting, filthy pair called Rachel Trelfer and Naomi Fee. I mean, really, just disgusting. Just disgusting. I can't think of words that I can use on this programme. They were given life with a minimum of 23 and a half years and 24 years. Little Liam, too, died at home and he was hit so hard in the chest, his tiny heart ruptured. Trelfer... And Fee tried to put the blame on another boy but were convicted of murder after a seven-week trial. They were found guilty of a catalogue of horrific cruelty against another two youngsters in their care, including the child they blamed for Liam's death. Shouldn't imagine their time in prison is going to be very, uh, very fortuitous. In fact, I should imagine they'll be looking forward to seeing them in there already. And also jailed the other day was um, a pension thief. This is a mother of two. Administrator Helen Peverly, Peverley? Peverley. Uh, blew money on a gastric band, a £55,000 car and a £400 tattoo. Even after her arrest, she continued living the high life as she took a two-week holiday, which was pictured relaxing in a hot tub. She plundered more than £400,000. Anyway, they're going to claw back the cash, her half share of her former house and the sale of the uh, Audi. She claimed to be suffering from depression and relied on her daughter to care for her. But she initially stole nineteen grand and then just carried on. She admitted fraud at an earlier hearing, and uh, the Detective Constable Mike uh, Trodden described her as one of the most deceitful criminals he'd ever dealt with. She's just a thief, isn't she? Utterly remorseless. Her husband trusted her and everything else. Anyway, she's uh, she's gone to prison, I believe. Um, uh, two years and eight months. Should have been 20 years, shouldn't it? Take away the house, sell it. These people, just leave them to rot. I think we should just have a place where we just sort of, uh, sort of a fort. Off the Thames Estuary or something like that. It would be a nice one, wouldn't it? 12 minutes to six.
0: You're listening to a podcast from
1: LBC. Actually, there's another piece on on chips in the paper today and another paper. This is another one. He says, uh, Eric Estrada um, has now become a reserve police officer for the St Anthony Police Department in Idaho uh, after he was sworn in on Saturday. He tweeted at LAX flying to Idaho to become a member of the St. Anthony Police Department. A special day for me. He also posted a picture of himself in uniform next to a Harley Davidson, writing, I'm now a police officer with the St. Anthony Police Department. So he's joining the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. Larry Wilcox, who played his partner, Officer John Baker in Chips, went on to set up a production company before being convicted of fraud involving the selling of shares. Oh, dear. Doesn't sound very good, does it, really? And apparently, trust and support, the over-50s, know the keys to lasting love. There you go, the over-50s. So good for the over-50s, doing very well indeed. Uh, To be fair, the formula was the same in chips for every episode. There were always two hotties for Ponch and John, criminals who scoff at the law and then learn how foolish it was to run a gambling operation in the back of a tractor trailer. (laughs) Steve, if you stop eating too much, the weight will fall off. Yes. Uh, he says, hint, people in famine zones are as thin as a rake. Starving people are not overweight. There you go. Well, look at that, honestly. That's interesting today. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, there used to be June. There isn't any more. Uh, I just thought I'd tell you that now because uh, you thought that there would be. And then I, I got something in the other day, actually. Um, and I've lost it again. I keep losing these things. I, uh, on the subject of, um, of Daniela Westbrook... Um, anybody else think that Daniella Westbrook says, uh, says Beverly, uh, also known as Sam Mitchell looked like Betty Davis and whatever happened to baby Jane? My God, she looked awful. Well, don't worry because th- she won't be coming back to EastEnders. That's a fact. So she has to find something to do now. She's got to find, uh, some sort of job. Um, how that's going to happen? I've got no idea. I mean, I really don't know. It's, it's sort of, it's slightly disturbing when you think she's going to have to invent something or, or do something to try and get herself back in the public's, uh, uh, gaze, because she's done the TV programme, and nobody's particularly interested. In fact, nobody's interested at all, not even particularly. And so, I don't know what she's going to do from here. But I got a, I got a, a message from, from Bryn and Annie, actually, the other day. Uh, you remember that they're over in La Belle France. They've been there for, uh, for quite a while now. They celebrated their wedding anniversary, which was a, a big one, and also we celebrated Annie's birthday the other day. And, uh, and he then uh, he wrote, wrote, wrote back to me the other day, saying, thank you for remembering us. I thought, well, that what the whole programme is all about. i like to know what people are what people are doing and exactly how they're getting on. We, we had some lovely pictures a few years ago. They had dreadful heat over in France. I thought, we well, you wouldn't have been here yesterday because yesterday was a bit too much for me, a little bit. But I've got neighbours, two of my neighbours, absolutely love the sun and, of course, me moaning Mary. I'm the one who goes, oh, I can't bear this heat. I'm going to sit indoors, it's horrible. And they sit there. I will, I will have to sit because I'm having a cup of tea with, with Lynn a bit later. I'm going to have to sit on the patio with the umbrellas up probably a shroud on or something like that, because I'm just, I'm just rubbish. I'm just absolute rubbish in heat. And I don't know why, because I grew up in hot countries. That's a stupid thing. I don't understand, you know, how I could have grown up in hot countries and, uh, and had a lovely, lovely time and managed to run around in the heat without getting burnt or anything else. Well, not, not too much. And then all of a sudden, I can't do it. All of a sudden, I'm sort of... Now, and I don't know whether it's the, uh, the side effects of, uh, of diabetes... Or anything like that. I mean, I really don't know. That's what's so worrying. You sort of think, but as a kid, I was running around in the sunshine. Although, so, Paul and I were talking, Paul Cooper and I were talking about the, um, about, you know, why we, we sort of put on weight. Because when we were younger, you used to come in from school, you were out on your bike. You couldn't wait to get your bike out when you got back from school. That was the big thing, wasn't it? To get your bike out. So we were always running around or climbing trees or or doing all sorts of things, you know. And um, and you then sort of think think to yourself... Why have I all of a sudden put on weight? And you go, I'll tell you what it was. It's two things. Firstly, when you buy a car, because the moment you buy a car, you don't walk anywhere. You take the car out for nipping down to the shops and you become terribly lazy. And secondly, it was the invention of uh, remote controls. Before on televisions, you had to get up and down. So in the course of an evening, you would be up and down, you know, loads and loads of times uh, to change the channel on the television because it was push button. Now you don't do that, do you? Now you just sit there and you push the button, as opposed to before we go. I'll oh, just leave it on that channel. It doesn't matter. We only had a choice of about four, I think. But uh, that—that's why. But definitely cars. Before I would, uh, I would, you know, sort of get the car out. You think I'll just nip down to the road to do. This. You think, why don't you? Wa-? Years ago, you'd have walked. You know, it's like my mother um, and my father years ago. If I, um, if it was raining, you looked out the front door and you were going to school and you had to walk to the bus stop down. There, they wouldn't drive you down there. They wouldn't drive you to school like a lot of these poor children get driven nowadays. So you see poor little children, half asleep, slumped in the front of the car in a huge four-by-four four clogging up the blooming roads. Let, make them get the bus. Make them get the bus. Make them get some exercise. Because all they're doing is they're getting out. I want some breakfast? Oh, I don't want any breakfast. And they sit in the car. They fall asleep. So when they actually get to, to school, they're exhausted. Make them get the blooming bus and the train. They A lot better. So Bryn says, we worked out today as I took her tea and toast in bed, this is Annie, um, he said that was exactly on this day, 63 years ago, that we first met. 63, see, 63 years ago. They're in show business. I walked into the restaurant she was managing to talk about her 21st birthday party on the Saturday of of that week, which was a couple of days before her actual birthday. And we got married four years later, in 1957, on Saturday the 6th of July, or as I've always called it, six equals seven equals five seven and life has been bliss this year you were a three-year-old toddler those were the days he says by the way and then he asked me something isn't it interesting that this is one of my favorite foods he said have you ever had coronation chicken they've obviously only just discovered coronation chicken and he says it's simply fabulous and annie makes the best one in the world it comprises of cold chicken well i know with a cold sorry in a creamy curry flavored sauce with a subtle taste of apricot jam oh i thought we used to put um um, um, Sultanas in it as well, and no, I love coronation chicken. They do it in M and S. It's probably available in other places as well, and they do it as a sandwich filling. And well, I just eat it out of the plastic container. I think it's delicious. Goes so well with prosecco. He says, <laughs> "Been your saving grace, you two, hasn't it?" Prosecco. He says, uh, "We love to listen to you whenever we can wake up to do so, which will certainly be all this week." So lots of love from Bryn and uh, Annie. And so they're having a lovely time over in France. hope it's not too too warm for you at, at the moment. Way too warm for me. But now you've tempted me to get Coronation Chicken. I might actually... It's so messy to eat in a roll. It's easier. What I sometimes do is put it in pita bread. You get the pita bread, toast the pita bread, and then open the pack and put it in there with a little bit of cucumber. Just to add a bit of spice to it. Honestly, the stuff we're eating now. It can't be good for us. Uh, Chip's great series, says Adrian. Big Columbo fan. Could watch them over and over again. I do. I didn't see the 70s series, but I know which one it was with William Shatner uh, as the cop who cares. T.J. Hooker. Peter Andre could play the role in a remake, says Lee. Yes, I don't think you're ever going to see Peter Andre in a movie anytime soon, unless he's he's playing a wet, drippy sponge. I I can't think of anything else at all. We remember Pete doing the... That programme on the television, where Peter pretended to do a, a 60 minute makeover, but it turned out they didn't for him. It had to be a week. It was the most ridiculously awful programme, as Pete put on a pair of dungarees to make it look as though he could actually do painting and decorating. But in fact, he couldn't either paint or decorate. In fact, he couldn't even actually uh, unscrew anything. He was just totally useless. Anybody less manly in the decorating department? (gasps) Oh, dear me. Apparently, there's a a planned chips movie for next year. Oh, Lord. So you'd have to be of a certain age to actually uh, know what it's uh, what, what it was, actually. So that could come out next year. Michael Penner as Ponch and Dick Shepherd as Baker. Hmm. Kevin the Miltman says, you get the car out, Steve. Surely that's the chauffeur's job. Well, I know, but occasionally I like to pretend I'm not as rich as I am, you know. Heartbreakers Wales lose out in the Euro semi-final. But, uh, you know, at least they got further than Britain did. Brace yourself. 77 degree heat expected this weekend. Uh, the £400,000 pension plunderer who wanted to buy happiness... Two years and 20 months or whatever it is. Two years, two months or something. Not long enough as far as I'm concerned. A monster of delusion. Blair, the world's worst terrorist, say the newspaper headlines today. And that secret letter to Bush. It's taken seven years for us to find out what we all guessed in the first place. Wasn't too difficult, was it? Double helping of Christmas Bakov, It's only July, but they're already doing it. And three of the Spice Girls apparently have booked a date for Hyde Park. Why anybody would want to go with the three, I've got no idea. Three becomes nothing, I suppose. At the end, uh, time coming up six o'clock. at Steve Allen's early breakfast. Good morning.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the seventh of July. at Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's nice to have your company. The papers are full, 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 full. As you know, of the Chilcot uh, inquiries, taken seven years. God knows what it cost. But uh, every newspaper shamed Blair, I'm sorry, £10 million was the cost of it, £10 million. The Daily Star, Blair is the world's worst terrorist. Uh, There's now talk of the uh, families thinking of taking him to court. Weapons of mass deception is the sun. A monster of delusion, say the Daily Mail. The Mirror, the Chilcot Report. Uh, The legal case was far from satisfactory. Families call for the ex-Prime Minister to be prosecuted. Blair's bowed to uh, Bush. Eight months before the Iraq war, I'll be with you, whatever. The whole thing was just a giant mistake, and it was a catalogue of disaster. From start to finish, one disaster after another. But as usual, Blair's trying to sort of get himself out of it. No, sorry, but, you know, I, I would do it again. As I say, he'll never get the opportunity. Thankfully, five O, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Actually, um, Andrew Pearce is going to be with Nick Ferrari this morning from Breakfast, and he'll he'll go through what all the papers are saying. There's just no support for Tony Blair whatsoever. I can't find anything at all. Basically, people saying. You know, he should be taken to court and some papers are pressing for it, so we'll wait and see what happens. As usual, it wiped the smile off his face yesterday, but there's pages and pages and pages. They've got all the questions and they've got the answers as well, which is something that Mr Blair didn't appear to have the other day. Uh, The Spice Girls booking the date for Hyde Park for three of them. I don't see, I mean, what would be the point of that? That would be like Simon and Garfunkel, but just Simon's there. That wouldn't be quite the same, would it? Or sort of putting on... Mind you, it's hilarious because the group five with poor little Richie Neville, there's a career that went nowhere, uh, is now down to three. Yet they still call themselves five. That would be like... I can't think of any other groups. But, uh, you know, the Spice Girls, three of them, and then they're hoping that once they get it sort of going, that the other two will join. No chance. There's no chance of Victoria Beckham wanting to do that. Why would she want to do that? That was that part of her life. You can't go back to it and try and relive it. It's going to look very sad. Uh, The footy idol Lionel Messi, a tax evader, he's spared jail and his crooked father is sent to jail. The student who died after 30 vodkas, Channel 4, have announced they're not going to play with TFI Friday. But I'm not sure if they've just said that to jump on the back of the uh, of the Chris Evans bandwagon or if it had already been decided and they've just decided to put it out now because I wasn't aware it was coming back anyway. He's got far too many other things. And the theme park called Noah's Ark. They've built Noah's Ark. It, it, it's quite big, but it's not as big as a theme park. Uh, Cliff goes back to Wimbledon and I've posted pictures up on uh, my Twitter, which is at Steve Allen Show. And uh, we've got a few pictures. Lovely one of Glory Hunniford and her uh, husband Stephen Way and the other picture of the person... Uh, is Warren, just in case you're going to be asking me, and uh, Brian Connolly is there as well. So, nice nice pictures of uh, of Sunday. Uh, a lot of people telling me about the, uh, the Chips movie coming out. Uh, Larry says, in Turkey, uh, we have to wait an hour for you to come on. We're in Turkey, we're two hours ahead. So now we know. And then somebody else uh, just sent me one, because this is somebody who's in South Korea as an English teacher, an ex-local radio DJ. I love ex-local radio DJs. I don't know why I do. I just do. His name's Paul, I think, and um, and he's uh, he's a comedy writer, but he's in Seoul. I used to call it years ago Sewell. I don't know why Soul Soul it is. And uh, and then somebody here says, I don't know how you find all the words for your show. I like to listen to LBC when I wake up in the morning. Would be a pretty dull show if I didn't wasn't able to string two words together. That would be very funny, wouldn't it? And then Damien says, I wish your show was on at drive time. I'd laugh my way driving home. That's not such a good look, is it? Laughing driving home. Especially if you're sitting in the car by yourself and people go mad. Mad as a broomstick. (laughs) Mrs Vivian goes lovely photos. Yes. And uh, yesterday, Phil says, the BBC made viewers switch channels three times to watch the Andy Murray match. It's so annoying. Do you notice that what they actually have on the BBC... I mean, I sort of leapt between BBC One and BBC Two because it was both Wimbledon. I turned it off. Because I'm not interested in Wimbledon. I must be the only person who couldn't care less about Wimbledon or anything like that. The cricket bores me senseless. Seriously, I would rather drop myself into a pot of Dulux paint and emulsify myself. I'm not remotely interested in anything like that. And I cannot understand why they have to devote two channels to Wimbledon. What on earth's the point of that? Who cares? I should imagine the audience is that big, is it? It's mainly people sitting outside. It's, I mean, whatever it is, it's just, it's boring and dull. But of course, as you know what it is for the old BBC, it's the old freebie, isn't it? Everybody getting in there with their passes. I've got a pass, I can get into Wimbledon. And there'll be all sorts of runners and extras that they try and wangle in. So right, old, oh, it's dreadful, it really is. Uh, 8 for eight, five, oh, Steve at LBC. Actually, that I do look a bit overweight, don't I? Never mind. Perhaps it'll fall off before Christmas. I've just looked at the bit, Cliff Richard looks. Somebody said he actually, he's older than you, but he looks better than you. Well, there you go, that's why I'm on radio i do radio it always works uh so uh i quite like this i'm being followed by all sorts of people only on twitter not not in real life um and uh somebody here is from idaho cal is in idaho says small word uh, small word. sorry it's got a big word actually a small world indeed london mentioning idaho i know we don't do things like that do we there's probably loads of cities that people are listening to this program and around the world there's probably somebody lying on a desert island you know with coconuts in one hand and you know a clever trick and uh, and and also um, <laughs> I got another thing actually i I, I got a, a furious phone call says charlie from uh, from somebody when I pronounced uh Laos is it is it Laos de Laos as Laos not i o so
0: what well, She's written in
1: now? perhaps she's on her medication again. You know what Charlie Girling's like at times, seriously. <laughs> do you? Re- I, I do remember that person you were talking about. I thought they died, actually, Charlie, but that was just wishful thinking, wasn't that, really, I suppose. <laughs> so funny. We have to do things in code on this programme. It, it's like being a member of MI6. Well, not really, because they don't get anything right at all. And, uh, Steve, what are the Spice Girls going to sing when five becomes three? Yeah, there was a song about that, wasn't there, about, you know, four... To become one or something. I mean, but to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know why they're actually bothering. I don't. I don't really think that anybody's particularly bothered about the Spice Girls coming back again. I mean, it made me laugh in this particular column in the paper where he said they sort of changed the face of pop. They didn't change the face of pop at all. They really didn't. You know, all this girl power was a myth, a complete myth. It's the myth. Oh, sorry. And uh, it's a case of it was set up by a man. It was men who managed that group. They didn't have anything to do with it. They were, They were told. They were all put in a house. They were taught the songs and then they went out there and they had to sort of do it. And that's it. They didn't change the face of pop. I don't know why people ever thought that. Uh, 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk. So I don't know what what they're going to sing, Shane. I mean, mean, because presumably the three that they've got, um, and and I don't, I thought one of them was going to drop out as well, which might take it down to two. I don't know how that's going to work. I'm I'm really not sure. Oh, the place is called Laos, not Laos. She said, I've got such a telling off. Charlie, she was wearing a very, a very floaty number the other day. Charlie, you know the the moment the sun comes out, she, I, I got into trouble with her because the sun came out and I hate the heat. And she goes, "You just don't like anything at all. I don't like the heat. I can't function in the heat at all. I, I can't see anything. I can't. I'm just, I'm just useless to it. I don't want to tan. I really don't want to tan." And she came in and she was wearing this floaty sort of outfit. It was, it was very, very revealing, I thought. It was, but it was very floaty and very lovely. And I remember thinking, I must ask her where, where she got that from. Not for me. Not for me. I don't want you to think I've started wearing women's clothing. Not there's anything the matter with it. Just want to make sure that nobody thinks there's anything the matter with being trans. You know, if I decide to be trans, I'll let you know about it first. But uh, it was really pretty, this thing. And I thought, that's very nice in the office. Because people. if I look through my wardrobe, like most of you, it tends to be darker colours. It tends to be the blues and stuff like that. I don't I tend not to have something that's sort of particularly bright. I've got a few Tommy Bahamas shirts which are quite bright, but most of my wardrobe is a little bit subtle. Little bit subtle. Did you ever go scrumping, says Mick, when you was a boy? Don't be ridiculous, we had servants. Of course I didn't go scrumping. Ridiculous," he said. "We were like uh, monkeys. If there was a bomb site, it was completely covered with black currants, blackberries. It wouldn't have been covered with black currants; it would have been blackberries. Uh, we we did go occasionally picking them out. We went out with with matron and a few of the other servants from the kitchen, and uh, we would go out with a little Tupperware box, and we would uh, we would pick some some blackberries. Although, to be honest with you, as you're picking blackberries, you tend to be eating them, and so after a while, you kind of lost the will. You know, I don't want to do any more. In fact, like they pick your own fruit farms." We've got some round our way where you can go and pick your own strawberries. Why bother giving yourself a bad back? Go and buy them in the supermarket. Go and buy them at the fruit and veg shops. Don't go pick your own. It's boring. It's boring. In the end, you'll be going, oh, God, I can't move. You know, and all to pick strawberries. Why? They sell them for, like, they're, they're so cheap. Two pounds a punnet and things like that. <laughs> your mother's trying to, I had strawberries in a basket last year. Er, uh, you're mad, says Charlie Goat. You see, I get this, honestly, seriously. It's like bullying from on far. She says, it's from Gap, but I got laughed at all day for wearing a see-through outfit. <laughs> oh, I thought it was quite nice, actually. <laughs> I thought it was quite nice. Very pretty. From Gap, is it? Oh, right, there you go. Other versions are available. They're not, actually. It's only available in Gap, but it was very pretty, very floaty-floaty. Very nice. I like things like that. I think, I think girls and ladies, you're so much luckier than men. This, that's why on you know the QVC it's mainly devoted to women, all the makeup and everything else. Although I had makeup on the other day for this photo shoot, and uh, it's amazing actually how much younger you think you look. Mentally, of course, still the same old fat man inside, but it doesn't matter. And um, and and then I thought and I was watching QVC and it was all items for women, all the clothing. So they don't do men's clothing on the television. I keep willing them to do Tommy Bahamas but then I thought I don't want everybody else wearing Tommy Bahamas. I don't want to walk down the high street and see everybody else wearing Tommy Bahamas. But uh, that's and I'm thinking it's just all women so obviously you ladies spend far more money than uh, us men. Richard says you don't like Formula 1, cricket, football or tennis. What sport do you like? I like diving and uh, He says, (laughs) international all-in-one Prosecco drinking. Well, I I don't call that a sport, but to be honest with you, if you do it in a pair of Speedos, it becomes marginally more interesting. No, I'm just not a sporty person. It's funny, I was when I was little. I did play cricket. I didn't really play football. I didn't do tennis. We did badminton. (laughs) Badminton. Or swing ball. Swing ball. I don't, I'm just not really a sporty person. I can't understand anybody ever getting excited about a football team. Losing or winning. It really doesn't leave me cold, I'm afraid. Which is good. Because if we were all exactly the same, it'd be a pretty boring world, wouldn't it? So that's why you've got me, the voice of non-reason.
0: Quarter past six. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh,
1: coming in this weekend for In Conversation. It's, a, it's kind of a magic fest. Because Richard Jones, who won Britain's Got Talent with that uh, fantastic trick, and then bringing on the man behind the trick, the inspiration, the man who uh, built the bridge over the River Kwai, the Burma Death Railway. Uh, So Richard will be in. He's a serving uh, member of the household Cavalry. He plays, I think, trombone and piano as well. And he loves his magic, so he's coming in. And Jesse Eisenberg is in as well. We're talking about this is Now You See Me 2, Uh, And I think there could be a three as well. And he was fascinating. He was absolutely fascinating. I'd already uh, watched some of his interviews. And I don't think any of the interviewers who actually interviewed him got the best out of him at all. Uh, He's OCD. He's on medication. uh, And he plays these sort of quirky characters. And uh, and both the producer and I had grave reservations. I thought, oh, I hope this interview goes really. Because I always want my interviews to go well, not for just my benefit, but for your benefit as well. Because I want to to show the person off in the best light. Well, he was fantastic. Seriously, he was fantastic. In fact, it, it becomes a little bit of a love fest between the two of us on the programme. He's playing at the moment at the Trafalgar Studio, which is just off, just down the road from here, at the uh, Whitehall Theatre. And it's a piece that he's written called The Spoils. And that's down there. And I was we were talking about playing in... He loves London. And when he finishes doing that, I think on August the 13th... Don't try and get a ticket. It's a sellout, as indeed it would be. Uh, and he's hot property at the moment. And the latest film, filmed in London... Filmed in London. It's uh, its very clever. I couldn't tell you anything about it because it's got lots of twists and turns in it. But they do some fantastic things. You'll love it. If you love the first one, then you're definitely going to love the second one. And then on Monday... I'm going, that'll be on that's Saturday morning between six and seven, just after the best of Steve Allen. And then it's repeated on Sunday evening between nine and ten. But he was, Jesse was fantastic, really good. On Monday, I'm going to see the new Star Trek movie. And on Tuesday, I've got Keith Urban coming in. Funny, we were talking about people earlier on from New Zealand. He's coming in to be uh, interviewed for his role. He plays Bones in the film. And then I think I've got something else later in the week. So it's gonna, it's quite a nice leisurely sort of time at the moment leisurely sort of time, which I like uh, Rylan says, oh god I hope it's not that one it's that no, it's, oh, sorry I nearly fell apart then wait a minute, let me just check just in case how many Rylans can there be? it's not exactly a very common name uh, da, 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 da. he listens all the time he's, he's got, wait a minute no it's not Rylan it's not Rylan, I've just realised it's not Rylan, it says, oh no sorry uh, it's Dan <laughs> talking about Rylan Looting the will to live here, honestly. The eyesight's gone completely. Couldn't agree more about the tennis, says Dan. Later on in the evening, it was even worse. If you switched to ITV, there was shoddy football. You can't escape sport on the television unless you want to tune into your favourite reality to star in Channel 5, Ryland. Which I don't, as you can imagine. <laughs> I'm not remotely interested. Not remotely interested. Uh, Steve. So, Shane, if you think tennis is boring and dull, you should consider American football for a moment. No, I don't. I just don't get any of those sort of things. I just really, really don't. Um, uh, uh, Andrew says, can you turn your horn messages alert down as I listen on headphones? <whistles> and it drives me crackers. <whistles> uh, he says, many thanks in, uh, in advance. No, absolutely not. See, the trouble is, you say that to me, it's, it's like red rag to a bull. I'll do it all the time now. I'm like one of those annoying children in the supermarket. I really am. I can really. Uh, Malcolm says you forgot to mention naked leapfrogging as one of your favourite sports. Well, I mean, I was the founder member of the over 35 uh, nudist leapfrog team. Uh, Charlie Gerling loves Ryland. Really? What is it about women and gay men with too many teeth? I just do not understand it at all. She says you're so mean about him even though she thinks the teeth are terrible. What is it about women and sort of extremely camp gay men that they seem to be attracted to? I just can't get it at all. I really don't. But, uh, yes, I do do uh, nude leapfrog. I mean, I haven't tried it on anybody round who here because we've got an HR department which is fairly active. I've mean, listening to you from my sunbed, says Paula, on a beach in Borneo. It's about 35 degrees. Oh, grief. How awful. And Sally says the three remaining Spice Girls will have cardboard cutouts on stage of the missing ones. Nobody will notice. I don't know what they... I mean, it, it would be possible to actually have all five on stage. It would be. You could superimpose them, as indeed they have, they have done with Elvis Presley and his band. They've managed to have Elvis Presley singing on stage. It's, I mean, it's, it's terrible. The things they could do now, but as Victoria didn't really bother with it, and Sporty Spice has got her own career going, they obviously don't want to do it. I mean, even if... The, I mean, I don't know how much money you could make out of something like that. I mean let's face it Carol King can sell out in Hyde Park and they apparently appear to have booked a date which is I think going to be July of next year and I'm not really sure whether I mean would anybody be interested would I mean seriously would anybody want to go to something like that uh, apparently Robert Pine who played the sergeant getterer it's the father of Chris Pine of Star Trek. Fine, says uh, Star Trek fame. Says Emmerin Southall. Thank you. Uh, my husband says Chrissy plays at a high level, and all the wags keep asking him, "This is cricket. Why I don't help with making the teas?" Bore off, she says. No, I can't understand why anybody's interested. Cricket, the dullest thing ever. Uh, Samir is in Dubai and loving it. What Dubai or this program? Probably both, I should imagine. Uh, the country is pronounced Laos, but the inhabitants are pronouncing it. Layer shins. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. <laughs> it's more bizarre by the day, doesn't it, this programme? It really does. Katie Price could be singing with the Spice Girls. I'll tell you what you want, what you really want. No, I don't think so. Unfortunately, she's flat as a pancake. Well, her voice is certainly flat as a pancake. We've heard her on Loose Women. So the front pages of the papers as we run through them, it's uh, it's the Chilcot Report. It's uh, It's Blair. And the association with Bush back in 2003, they read eight months, eight months before we went to war. He sent a memo to the US president vowing, I'll be with you, whatever. And uh, so here, relatives call for the former prime minister to be prosecuted. The intelligence didn't establish the Iraqis had weapons of mass destruction. The worst terrorists in the world. This is a fallen soldier's sister, Sarah O'Connor, yesterday. Uh, The findings at a glance for those people. uh, War was not a last resort. These are these are the findings. Okay, of the Chilcot report. Saddam Hussein was not an imminent threat. Tony Blair told George Bush, "I'll be with you, whatever." Uh, Blair picked and chose the evidence to make the case for war. The legal case was far from satisfactory. Troops were sent into battle without proper equipment. Intelligence had not established beyond doubt that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. Blair was warned an invasion would fuel terrorism. Plans to rebuild Iraq were woefully inadequate. And the war cost you 9.2 billion. 9.2 billion. That's what Tony Blair cost us. It was a cock-up from start to finish. It really was. And in fact, he was warned that terrorism would be fueled. And, of course, that's undoubtedly what we've seen over the past few years. We've seen a rise of, tel- uh, of terrorism, of people indiscriminately killing themselves to kill other people. We've had horrendous casualties, and it's all because of the rise of these, uh, these groups. What did we serve? What useful purpose was served by hanging Saddam Hussein? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. Um, Front page of the uh, the Mail, again, it's the monster of delusion. For two hours, Blair dissembled and denied in the face of Chilcot's devastating verdict. And then with sickening egomania, he declared, I can't say sorry for Iraq, I'd do it again. And you'll no doubt be hearing that time and time again. He just cannot accept responsibility. Stop saying I was a liar. He's unrepentant. Unfortunately, that's what they're saying, Mr Blair. They're calling you a liar. A dodgy dossier, you know, an intelligence chief who got it all wrong, MI6 falling under the spell of number 10, the catalogue of disasters goes on and on and on. And then uh, General Sir Michael Rose saying the family should see Blair in court. Corbyn then apologises on behalf of the Labour Party. Uh, The UK didn't have to be America's poodle, but we certainly were. You know, you get my backing kind of thing. Uh, and then the bomb which killed 250 in Iraq's worst attack since the, the war, the latest bombing in Baghdad. That's underlining the tragic legacy of the Iraq invasion. 250 people dead. Well, it just add them on to the 179 who, who, who sort of uh, were killed in war? This poor kit which should not have been tolerated. Boots which were melting. Equipment which was just woefully inadequate. The general's humiliation, the bad planning... The top brass were forced into a secret deal with militants in, in Basra. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Soldiers here were in Land Rovers, known as mobile coffins. They had a lack of basic kit. I remember, I remember reading the press at the time. It was awful. I think the Inquiry chief said the military failed to identify those risk with ministers, an equipment which could have saved British soldiers' lives. There was one here, that the, the death of Sergeant Stephen Roberts, who was killed in 2003 after a lack of protective vests prompted him to lend his to a colleague. It was judged that his death could have been prevented if he'd still had his body armour. Last night, his mother, Marion Chapman, told the Mail, the report said it all. Steve's legacy is that soldiers have ECBA body armour as standard issue. And then, and then Campbell, Alistair Campbell, claimed the Chilcot report had again cleared him of sexing up the so-called dodgy dossier which made the case for war in Iraq. Campbell gets away with it again, is the headline, and outrageously blames the BBC for the death of Dr Kelly. Isn't it funny? Not in my backyard. Oh, no, nothing to do with us. Oh, no, blind, blind, didn't see anything. No idea. If you go to the LBC uh, website, you can hear Alistair Campbell squirming his way around uh, Ian Dale. You can decide for yourself whether you think he wins or loses. I've got my opinion. I'm sure you'll have yours after you've heard it. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, company today. I'm very grateful. It's, uh, as I say, it's Chilcot, Chilcot. You're going to get a lot of that today. A lot of people uh, talking about it and uh, and then people probably arguing for the fact that Tony Blair should be taken to court. A terrorist, they've said. The worst kind. A monster of delusion. Perhaps he's ill, one of the commentators said. Perhaps there's something the matter with him mentally. They don't know. Anyway, I'm sure that that will play itself out in front of you. Uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow morning if you check me out on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. You can see the Cliff Richard pictures that we put about uh, four up there this morning. So my thanks to the people who took them for us. And I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 7. Nick Ferrari, Andrew Pierce is going to be with him. But next, it's
0: Lisa Aziz with the morning news.